Holman, let's say that uh, a couple nights ago was your 25th wedding anniversary and you took your wife out for dinner. And uh, it turns out that halfway through the dinner, she reveals that she expected you to take her car shopping. And uh, and you didn't know that there was that expectation. Wait, and then wait, wait, you wait, 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 wait. Go... Hold, hold on. Wait, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you just bought her a car last year. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was Lemon Lod. And then you b- yep. got a better car, which I've been in, which is a, a incredibly nice, half well the price, but nice, yes, car. Mm-hmm. So Why? she's had this one for like eleven months, right? And she, it's her favorite car that she's owned. She said that. To I think me. we've talked about it. It's an Atlas, right? The yeah, Volkswagen, Volkswagen Atlas. Atlas loves the car, and yet ready for a new one. What <laughs> new one did she expect you would be getting her? Range Rover. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. I said a range, um, range, range. Well, what? Why would that even be in the conversation? I don't know. Used, right? Like a 10 or 12-year-old one with sure, about 50,000 miles? Yeah, no, new. I, and, okay. <laughs> How would you afford that? It's called like a Valor, a Valar. Valar? Valar. Yeah, mm, okay. That one. <laughs> Can't wrap your head around it, can you? I'm being very careful because I also know your wife. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to uh, anger her with so my she, comments. She has been on a plan, typically gets new vehicles uh, every 36 months. And then that started getting reduced to like every 24 months. And now I think if she could do a nine-month lease, she would, if there was such a thing. Which is funny. It's the opposite of my wife, who when I met uh, had a uh, an Audi A5. Got rid of that because she wanted the uh, S uh, th- or A3 that came out. Got the A3 side unseen, hated it. Went back to the A5, went, that's nah, just like my old car. Then went to a Lexus. Before that, she'd had a couple of BMWs and a couple of Mercedes and a couple of Volkswagens. But she would get one like once a year, every 18 months, because the guy at the dealership would call her and go, ah, oh, just we'll roll it into the next one. Mm-hmm. So when we got married, I'm like, hey, so how upside down are you? So about that, (laughs) and her lease was coming due, and I'm like, we are going to get you, we had the baby on the way, and I'm like, we are going to get you a nice SUV that I can get a really good deal on. And so we got her a Cherokee, and I was able to get a deep enough deal from my good friends that we erased everything she was upside down on on the other cars. And she actually kept that through her lease, and then we got a Grand Cherokee. And then that lease was coming due, and so we got the 4xe that's out here. So that's like two leases in a row. She finished them out, and this one she's like, this is the best car I ever had. I, I think I might want to keep this one. I'm like, what? So we're we're going opposite directions, my friend. That. She has done that, but we yeah. have... We've we've purchased a few back in the day. We've She's been through Suburbans, Tahoes. She had a Malibu for a minute, which she hated. She had uh, we, the, the Lemon Laud Mercedes, the AMG. Yeah. She had for a month, and then she got a BMW 3 Series. What a tin can that was. She yeah. had that for like two months, got Not rid like of it. Used to be. And I even put wheels on that thing, and it was like, nah, goodbye. And then she ended up with the, with the, with the Atlas, and it was, and it was great. But I think that um, just over it. How? It's I don't new. know. It's, I was just in it like a month ago, and it still smells like a new car. It still is a brand new car. It's by it's the way one of my favorites that she's owned. Your Velar only got a six out of ten from Car Driver. See, I knew that you would have feelings and, about and, Range Rover because I know that they're like piles. Sixty one thousand five hundred base price. That's just that's just the b- nothing 
model. Hmm. Uh, they're better than they used to be. They're not what they're they... They're still English, aren't they? Yeah. Well, no, well that's the problem. They're Indian, actually. Well, oh. They're owned by Tata, so... Oh, geez. Okay. Them and, and uh, Range Rover and Volvo, but I, that seems like a step backwards unless you just want to virtue signal your wealth to other people I also mean, pretending to I be mean, rich. I mean, we're listen, we do a podcast, you know what I mean? Like, I'm clearly not a millionaire, so... Well, you don't even, you don't have to be a millionaire to buy a Velar, but at the same time, you actually have to have probably. I would imagine in my case, I'd have to have two regular sized incomes, which mm-hmm. that's been a while. <laughs> like if my wife's like, oh, "I'm going to get a Velar tomorrow," I'd be like, "Do you what do you like better, car or house? Car, right? House, I mean, yeah. like that's that's kind of how that works." So I, we've dialed it back a little bit, and uh, I think well, well, you're 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 bearing the uh, the, the 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 story the, here. Yeah, what I am. Where, yeah, where how, am I how'd you get out of it? Where are you at now? What did you did no, your anniversary you... end with a like champagne to the face and a a, a wine glass across the room it or was, a stabbing? It, it was okay. We settled on a golf cart. Okay, that's <laughs> seems. She wants a golf cart, so we're gonna find a her a golf cart. Okay, so uh, <laughs> can you walk me through how this happened? Because I, I fully don't understand the uh, the order of operations here. She's wanted to go. So when she grew up, she spent yeah. summers in Lake Havasu, okay. Arizona. Yeah, and she worked at a couple resorts there, and she had golf carts, of course, as you do in Arizona. In Arizona, right? And uh, she, she lived fell in, Long in Beach. love, and now in Long Beach, and now a lot of people have licensed golf carts that don't live on. They're like. Around the beach but, area, they cruise them around. And only use them on roads twenty five miles an hour or less. I mean, sure, that's sure, right? Right? <laughs> no, I that's guess. that's the rules. I I guess it's super impractical to have one to only go on a few streets around our house. Is that the idea? Instead of an evening walk, you go on an evening cart. She works at a school that is literally a thousand yards away, and I think she thinks She's... it'd be fun to take a golf cart to work in the morning. I mean, all right. I don't. I don't know. So I've. I think I've dialed her back. But how? From the Range Rover to a golf cart. How? What did you say to her? What was the conversation? Like, I, like, like we're other, not. I said we're in, not really in a financial position at this moment to do another year-long lease <laughs> on an eighty thousand dollar or more uh-huh. Range Rover. Right? Can will you be? Can happy? I give you a golf cart? <laughs> will we have well, your other second love was a golf cart, and so, she's like, okay, let's, let's your, do that. Your anniversary. We didn't buy the golf cart yet. You, you wanted. A tomahawk steak on like a molten salt block. And she brought you a McDonald's hamburger that was shoved under the seat and forgotten about for two days. That's the equivalent. But I love McDonald's. So like I'm okay no. with that. Oh, you right. know what I mean? Sounds- and she's she was like, it's but she polar opposites. I mean, for me, remember it's like I love slammed cars and uh, lifted. Yeah. And I don't really like anything in between. Okay. And she's the same way. She's like, I want to go like exotic and expensive, or I want to go golf cart. Golf cart. So is it going to have like a custom paint job on it, or is it going to I, it's be a have, lifted golf cart, a slammed golf cart? Is it? It's going to have to be lifted. You know, the lift electric kit, golf tires. Cart? I'm actually leaning on getting like a Yamaha um, that is gas powered, uh-huh. but I think ultimately we'll end up with an electric one, an Easy Go, or one of the big brands, and we'll probably be in like. Six to seven grand somewhere there. Hey, by the way, if you're trying to unload a golf cart and it's in good condition somewhere around the country, I'll make a road trip and I'll come get it from you. Or if you know one who's somebody who's selling one, I'm in the market to buy a golf cart. <laughs> I am. It's got to be bet in good you, shape. I don't want to have think to you say that thing. phrase this uh, this time <laughs> no, this year. I, I didn't expect to be saying that. No. Huh. 
So uh, Lightning's in the market for a golf cart. And so here's the crazy part. Yeah. I have been looking for golf carts for some time. I okay. knew that this day might come. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that there was so much fraud on Facebook Marketplace oh, in yeah, the golf cart full, section. Full of fraud. No, in the golf cart yeah, yeah, section. Full, fully. If you have a legit golf cart and you're looking to unload at your man Lightning, hook a brother up. You want uh, 10-inch wheels? Uh, alloys? Yes, yes. Um, okay, well, the uh, I, I'm up to $13,840 for a top rear-facing seats and uh, alloy wheels. Again, that's new. That's, I, I that's know, brand I'm just new. So you I'm looking to get into one for around six, seven, somewhere in there. Hmm. I know somebody out here listening has got a, a cart or a, a, a cousin. Yeah, you know what they, they, they just did? Unload. They just said, honey, you'll never believe this. <laughs> yeah, stand by. Uh, lightning at uh, truckshowpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. All right, well, if uh, you have a more practical spouse, then uh, <laughs> you might want to look for something at your local Nissan dealer because it's going to be a lot more affordable, value-packed, rugged, and reliable, and that's the Nissan Frontier. It comes or with a bed. You can put stuff in the back. Even a golf cart. You can put a golf cart in, <laughs> in the, the back in of the, your in the bed. Yeah. If you're looking for a half-ton truck or a mid-sized truck, you want to head on down to your local Nissan dealer. We can check them out in person. Look at uh, all the great features like the spray and bed liner and zero gravity seats, the Fender audio system, great, quiet, efficient trucks. The Titans, of course, come with the industry's best five-year, one hundred thousand mile warranty. You can get the scoop and uh, all the features at NissanUSA.com, where you can build in price and uh, find that perfect Nissan truck of your dreams. It's funny the Nissan truck does everything the golf cart can't. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Holman, are you familiar with WFO Concepts out of Auburn, California? They do a bunch I, of like. I have. Okay, so yeah. they're the Jeep guys. They do everything, but like they're known for, I guess, the straight axle, big horsepower Jeeps, things like that. I didn't know much about Trevor and his crew up at WFO, but uh, got on on the phone with him, and we're talking about some bank stuff or some eco diesels, and I brought up the pedal monster, the bank's pedal monster, and I said, "Hey, I, are you familiar with throttle boosters and throttle controllers?" He says, "No, no, I just, we tried a pedal commander, and it threw all these codes, and we're not. I'm not." I said, "Oh, well, hold on, we've solved all that. I'm going to send you one." And you're going to flip out. We've solved all the issues that all the other throttle controllers in the market have. There's no check engine lights. You don't get all squirrely when you back up. You've got active safety, reverse safety. It plugs in OBD. It knows your VIN, your make, your model, your transmission, your speed, your gear, everything. It is the best throttle controller on the market. He sent me an email. He's like, dude, you weren't joking. So I think we're going to get Trevor on the show at some point here soon. As a Jeep authority, he's got a 392, by the way, that he just roasts the tires. He must go through a ton of money in tires on this 392. So I'm going to get a review here coming up on the show soon. But if you're looking for the ultimate throttle controller to get rid of pedal lag, the Banks Pedal Monster is for you. Go to bankspower.com, type in your year, make, and model, and there's 150 applications, cars and trucks. So I can definitely speak to using the Pedal Monster on my uh, 392 on this recent trip that we'll talk about in a few episodes in the Mojave. I used the uh, low-speed trim control. Oh, wow. Okay, and, good. And so basically four low and uh, four high, I was able to use my iDash, go to the Pedal Monster screen, adjust the sensitivity, and uh, the low-speed trim control is great because it leaves it stock up to about 10 miles an hour and then uh, adjust from there. But it was really easy to adjust on the fly and uh, worked out great. So I really appreciated having that in the uh, in the Jeep. You'll find your pedal monster at bankspower.com. So, Lightning, let's say uh, you have a truck. I do. I own one. Uh, But this one has uh, rear leaf springs, and it tends to sag while you're hauling your trailer or your camper 
What are you going to do to fight those saggy bottoms? <laughs> Hell, wig helper springs. What if you uh, are not interested in having any more uh, white knuckle rides and your tow vehicle drives like a teeter-totter and you've got all sorts of body roll and you're just fighting it around corners and you've got that big old tall camper in the back or a roof rack with a bunch of gas and a spare tire on top and you're fighting it through corners, what are you going to do? Helwig Sway Bars. Helwig products have been manufacturing high-quality, innovative load control and sway control solutions for domestic and foreign trucks, RVs, muscle cars, classic cars, and fleet vehicles right here in the USA since 1946. No matter what your application is, Helwig Products has a way to make it handle better or tow easier. And unlike many of its competitors, Helwig Products are proudly made in the USA to an exacting standard of quality and are sold with a limited lifetime warranty. Helwig Products is a fourth-generation family-owned company. You can find out more at helwigproducts.com. The Truck Show. Show you what we know. We're gonna answer what the truck, cause truck rides with the truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show. With your hosts, Lightning and Holman. All right, let's call Mr. Paul McCain, CEO of Diode Dynamics. Y'all good with that? <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's just so unnecessary. Just say we're calling Paul from Diode Dynamics. All right, I am. Jeez Louise. Oh, what do you think of that? Should we uh, record a podcast? Hello. Hey, Paul, Lightning Holman, Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? Good. Thank you. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for staying up for us. We uh, we genuinely appreciate oh. it. We have, a, we have a quick intro to play before we can talk to you, so don't you dare move. Hang tight. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? What does it take to be an entrepreneur? Quit your job and get alone. And don't let anyone tell you you can. Go into debt and don't look back. Don't worry. Gee, it's probably been about four years since we've had uh, somebody from Diode Dynamics on. And if you guys remember, uh, made in the USA, uh, great American company, LED lighting for all sorts of applications. And one of the things you guys are, are well known for is providing an LED bulb replacement that's engineered to use the factory reflectors and in housing to give you better, more true light output. I mean, that's amazing for people who don't, need to or don't want to go through the whole expense of changing their entire housing, that's sort of like the the gateway drug. And what you guys have done in the last several years is nothing short of phenomenal, whether it comes to direct replacement, OE, uh, OE direct replacement lights that we'll be talking about. I mean, just the technology that you're packing into all these products is, is pretty phenomenal. I think the last time, Paul, we spoke with a representative uh, of Diodynamics, we got into some of the the electronics, the Cree LEDs versus other LEDs, and and how Diodynamics chooses some of the components that are better than others. But they sorted all the, all the components out, and now they're they're focused on doing stuff that other companies can't, which is I think why we, why we wanted to get you on the show because the lamps that you're offering, things like that. So, Paul, can you bring us up to speed on where Diode has been over the last five years? 
Yeah, I'd be happy to. And thanks for having me. You, you guys are very kind so far. So I'll try to, I'll try to live up to that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting over the last couple of years, we've been very busy. Um, I, you know, I, I've, I've loved running this business because I'm a huge car guy. I love the technology and the technology is moving so fast these days when it comes to lighting. Uh, you know, like you mentioned a couple of years ago, it was all about which chips you're using and this and that. And like you said, it, it's, it's already, you know, we've let past all that really. Um, we're working with chips now that are like so optimized, you know, we work with all automotive grade stuff and that's kind of just like your, your status quo. Now you can get cheap lights that even have these good LEDs, whether they're copy or real is another question, but they all have pretty good light sources these days, you know, used to see Cree this Cree that it's just, you know, now all these LEDs are good. So what's the next step from there? We've been focusing on really making all these lights smart. And seeing how all the vehicles are integrated, I know you guys are well aware of that. You know, I, I know you talked to my friend at Z Automotive about all the work they do with the vehicle systems on electronics. And that's the type of stuff we're dealing with now where there's just no getting around from it. It all has to be digital. It all has to be smart. And so the engineer going into it now is just a whole nother level. Yeah, there was a time when uh, like the separation between companies, like if you knew CAN bus or not. And you guys are like, that's, that was yesteryear, right? You guys all have mastered CAN bus. And so how do you integrate your products into working with all the OE features? And like, I, I wanted to touch one of the products that I know you're really proud of that you turned me on to was your elite LED headlights for the 18 to 23 Jeep JL, which are like next. Uh, people don't realize this, but going all the way up to the JK, uh, it was a seven inch light and it was uh, pretty much a replacement that w was a standalone unit. Whereas when the JLs came out, the designers wanted to re kind of juggle the proportions of the vehicle and the JL came out with nine inch lights. Well, they weren't a standard nine inch light that you could get. It was basically just as advanced as uh, your Mercedes headlight. It just, just was shaped round uh, with the LED and the halos and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't something that you could take out four bolts, unplug, and put something else in. And to complicate matters, the, the Wrangler and the Gladiator come with halogen lights as well. So now you have the computer system has to know whether you're running halogen, whether you're running LED. And then in the middle of that, if you have a vehicle that has halogen lights, but rear blind spot detection, you get rear LED lights. So now they don't even match on both ends of the vehicle. There's so much complexity. So the, Yeah, exactly. The complexity is crazy. And now they're slowly starting to become some companies out there that are doing uh, replacement units, but nothing as advanced as what I'm seeing from your elite LED headlights for the, uh, for the 18 to 23 JL and JT. It's, it's phenomenal the amount of technology that you've packed into a direct replacement piece. Yeah, I appreciate that. We've, you know, spent a lot of time to look at what's out there on the market. Um, we, we stay really attuned to OEM work because, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, the difference of just the JK to the JL from the factory was massive, right? You had the JK halogen lights. You had one model year for the JK uh, with an LED headlight made by Myotech, great company, but only one year. They were like hustling to get this new model out. Then the new JL comes out and uses an S-Light projector module. It's designed by Automotive Lighting. Magnani Morelli is the, is the company. It's out of Germany. You know, it's, a, it's this European company. It's a really, really high-end unit. All of a sudden, yeah, it's basically like a Mercedes headlight on these Jeeps and it performs pretty well. So where do you go from there? I mean, realistically, you know, I, it's it's been a little bit disappointing to see on the aftermarket and, and what I'm working on, but 
the aftermarket is slipping further and further behind in a lot of ways to the OEM technology and parts. You know, it used to be that you'd look to the aftermarket for what the trends are, what the new features, what the new technology. But as we're getting more digital and the engineering requirements just get so high, lighting is a big area where, you know, in America, we don't even see it. But in Europe, the lighting technology is nuts. It's like having video projectors strapped to the front of your car. They can shine symbols on the road. They can sh they can just highlight a person on the side of the road, flashlights at them, or, you know, make them. It's literally like having video projectors. That's what the headlights are over there. And so what we have today with the technology in the U.S. is it's quickly picking up, but it's still so far behind. And all we're trying to do is really elevate that standard. But in some ways, it's even harder because, like you said, we have to work with that underlying architecture on the vehicle. And so, um, yeah, I'm really proud of the work my engineers have done on that. Uh, it's It's been a great journey, lots of patents pending on different technology and features we have on these just to allow you to program them, allow you to change the DRL color, allow you to do a show mode, whatever you want, you know, just packing in a lot more features and making these lights smart and uh, really just getting them up to the real modern standards that we know can exist with the digital world, you know? You guys need to see the YouTube video that they have on the page if, when you go to diodynamics.com and you click on the headlights that we're talking about. Like, I think it's the, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I, you flash the, uh, the the high beams a couple of times and it changes the functionality of the lights. Is that correct? Yeah, that's basically right. You have a, a menu, you have a couple different modes, but you get a little card with the order, you keep in your glove box. And really, once you get the hang of it, it's not too bad. But uh, patent pending on that, it's, it, but it's convenient. And you can change the DRL mode, you can change if you want your turn signal to flash a certain way, or you want it to flash a little animation when you unlock the Jeep. Honestly, we maybe went over the top because yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it's one of those things that became harder to make it simple because it was just way too much going on. And, but that's the fun in it. Well, looking down the uh, features list, obviously a bi LED projector. So uh, you've got maximum output and intensity from that. You can do a selectable color daytime running light. So the Jeeps come with white, but if you notice a lot of the performance brands out there, uh, Ford's Raptor going back to lineup, Amber. Uh, and the TRX, uh, or I guess you did you change your? I did. Yeah. yeah, Amber seems to be like, oh, we're now different when Amber used to be old school. And so now on these headlights for uh, Jeepers, you'll be able to choose whether you want white or uh, or the Amber. There's, as you were saying, the welcome sequence, uh, integrated Amber turn signal, and we, you know, I think most people agree that uh, Jeeps aren't always the best when it comes to seeing their turn signals and, and what they're uh, doing because they're very, very simple in that regard. So having that additional turn signal from the headlights and the halo is pretty cool. Optional show mode, um, off-road lighting that lights everything up, that gives you a nice, crisp, bright, wide pattern to uh, supplement any uh, auxiliary lights that you might have or to even replace them. For somebody that doesn't want a bunch of uh, auxiliary lights or eight light bars hanging off the front of their Jeep, it's nice to have some headlights that have some throw to them and can operate in that off-road mode. You blew right past my favorite feature, which is the welcome mode. I, I know like that's like a, a super new car thing, 22, 23. A lot of the German cars have it. Where well, they, one of my favorites they, is the Grand Wagoneer. Oh, what does that do? Oh, it's phenomenal. The Grand Wagoneer, the welcome mode, and the animation on the lights is is freaking awesome. So it goes side to side, up and down, and the whole thing. Yeah, it's and being a Jeep family, if you're uh, you know one car is the Wagoneer, and you're like, oh, it's cool, and you go to your Wrangler, and it just like flashes the lights when you unlock it, and you're like, uh, boo! <laughs> right now, now you can take the uh, the diode headlights and have a little animation, and maybe look at your spouse and go, yeah, what's up? I got that, I got this what, on mine now, right? Up? Exactly. Yeah. Who got to choose the animation there, Paul? Oh, that was me. 
<laughs> yeah. He's like, he got I mean, the- I, I have the Jeep, and I've been I've been driving around with these for a couple of years on my Jeep on my on my 18 Sahara now. So you better believe I picked that, and there's a reason why we did these first. Um, you know, I love them. I use them every day. So I, I wanted to touch really quick before we move on to uh, other offerings. Why is Europe ahead of us? Is it because BMW, Mercedes, Audi, the Volkswagen Group, they're all there with amazing engineers? Is it the, the the conditions they drive in or why is it, why are they so far ahead and why are we playing catch up? I guess is my first question. Yeah. So uh, I think you'll hear a lot of different answers from different people on that. And if you go to a lighting conference, which does exist, you'll hear a lot of German spoken in the room, uh, even if you're in Detroit. So you, you're onto something there. But it's a lot more about the regulatory environment. Lights are a safety feature first, and that's regulated by uh, NHTSA, National Highway uh, Transportation Safety Administration. And they are not going to change things unless they see something as a safety issue. Versus overseas, it just seems the regulatory mindset in Europe is a little bit more forward-looking with technology to improve the user experience, to improve things uh, in terms of regulation. It's the reason that the OEs over there have laser for lights and we don't have them here is because from a safety regulatory standpoint, it's not approved through uh, NHTSA or the DOT yet. And so to your point, the lighting over there is 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 way more forward thinking than what we have available here in the States. Yeah. And I mean, manufacturers are raring to go. I know there's a lot of people flashing their new F-150s that get, enable the features. A lot of Teslas are built in with them. Like manufacturers are putting them in and just ready to flip the switch as soon as they and determine how to make those compliant. But, you know, I understand NHTSA has got a job to do, keep us safe. So I understand not wanting to change things up if they can't be sure it's safe. You know, you don't, you wouldn't want these to break and then all of a sudden strobe everywhere on the road, you know? And my follow-up question is, how do you find the all-star engineers to build your next Halo product? The next amazing diode dynamics He product? just did. It's the JL. It's the lights we're talking about right now. You no, know, what I'm saying is the next one that he hasn't come out with. Like, how do you find, are you find, are you like trying to find the next like uh, 26 year old super grad that just came out of, you know, uh, Harvard or somewhere? Or, For, guess, uh, what, you know, Harvard's lighting I, school. I guess Harvard, that's a stupid uh, <laughs> wow. school to come from. Like, where would they come from? Like electronics. MIT? MIT. Yes. Thank you. I, I, clearly, I didn't go there. I'm just wondering well, how yeah. you find that talent to build the next, you know, killer app. Yeah, sure. It's not easy, uh, especially because a lot of the engineering in the U.S. now is really software-based. But if there's anyone listening, please apply because <laughs> we just look for people who are passionate to learn and, and understand it. You've got a lot of jobs available, which is great. And that's what allows us to build these. We do you know, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering. We do the firmware development. We do optical engineering. So we do all this in-house with our team. We've got, we've got an outsized engineering team. Almost a quarter of our company is engineers. That gets us a long way, but it, it is hard to find people. So if you got interest, the thing is, you got to move to St. Charles, which is close to St. Louis, Missouri. That's the big one. But if you're willing to do that, you'll have a lot of fun here. And uh, we look for people who want to have fun. And good barbecue. It's You got that going. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the tour. You hosted a really good tour, and it's on your YouTube channel, where you walk through the whole campus. And I was very impressed. I think we're just so accustomed today of seeing a small sales team, two or three engineers, they come up with the idea, they outsource it to China, it gets made, the engineers put it through their test rig, they approve it, and they put it in boxes and they send it out to retail stores everywhere. That's not you. 
That's not what you guys are doing. No. What they have is they've got assembled here in the USA when a lot of products are made overseas, to your point. And you guys have actually had a like you're trying to change or drag the industry back in your direction to doing that manufacturing and that assembling here. Um, but obviously, you're using materials that come from all over because the LED chips and and chipsets are are global. So I'm sure you're sourcing that kind of stuff. But you really are focusing on Midwest manufacturing, which is something that used to be robust in this country, and I think uh, is something that we should be going back to. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I mean, that's a lot of the reason we do this. Um, we're very intentional about the fact that we're not interested in acquisition. Uh, we're not interested in private equity. We're very much interested in doing this our own way and having control over what we do and intentionally continue to make things here in the U.S., uh, that's a big part of our ethos as a company. And we know it's not profitable or the most profitable to do it that way. But, you know, it's more about building value. And uh, it's great to have, you know, almost 50 people here building these lights, which you're just not going to see anywhere else. So it's not it, it's not really marketing because, I, you know, it, it generally means our stuff might be a little more expensive. And that's why even for the off-road lights, a lot of the big names are no longer assembling most of their products here in the U.S., which is which is disappointing. But if you're private equity, you're chasing the dollar, and we're more interested in building a very long-term business. To that point, if you go to uh, on Diode Dynamics to the uh, Elite LED headlights for the uh, JL Wrangler page, one of the paragraphs that uh, kind of stands out is you're backed by an industry-leading eight-year limited warranty, and you basically have ex- uh, extensively tested your long-term operation from negative 40 degrees to 185 degrees <laughs> That's Fahrenheit. That's nothing. <laughs> I'm sure people are thinking, well, it doesn't get as hot as 185, but they're right up there against the engine compartment. And if uh, you have a 392 like I do, I'm sure the uh, headlights are every bit of 185 degrees on some days. But uh, you are testing them for vibration, moisture intrusion, corrosion testing, all the, all with SAE standards, just like all the factory components. And then you've got integrated moisture-proof vents. The uh, lamps can breathe, and they don't get the fog inside. Uh, and then you also have built-in circuit protection for voltage spikes, reverse polarity. So you've really designed a lot of technology and user-friendly, even the technology that, that may only assist in plugging the lights in for the first time, and it never has to work again but you put it in there to make sure that the customer has a great experience from minute one with the product. Well, he's had to look and go like, all right, what if Holman and Lightning were to install these and they're, they're dumbasses? So they're no, he plug- would say there's two, two Jeeps. One would turn out great and one would be backwards. <laughs> they're gonna, yeah, they're going to plug it in backwards. What happens? We don't want to short out. So we need reverse polarity just in case. Well, I mean, we, we'd have to cover all that type of thing. But these days, we're a lot more interested in making sure these hold up at, you know, uh, King of the Hammers, uh, different events that these are really tortured all over the world, you know, at this point. And, uh, you know, in a, in a more scientific sense, we really try to look at the OE standards. And those are just what the OE standards have to meet. You know, I've, I've been overseas. I've seen all the factories. And, uh, you know, you, you walk into those test labs and you see a machine that's supposed to be the water test machine and it doesn't even have water hooked up. There's no water in the room. And you're wondering, now, how are you using this thing? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it, it's a little bit, you know, they can take the pictures and tell you they're doing this. But unfortunately, you know, they're going to deliver the product. And if people accept it, that's what it is. You know, we, we do all this testing in-house because we really value that quality. And we're not perfect. You know, we, we've made a lot of mistakes getting where we are today. It's it's not an easy thing to uh, 
especially with these highly complex headlights, so many different parts have to come together properly. So we've made mistakes. We're learning a lot, but our end goal is to match the quality of those OE headlights. And these days, even with these expensive imported headlights, a lot of people are getting kind of disaffected with aftermarket products. Again, slipping behind OEM. There's a lot of people who just trust that OEM quality. And we really want to show that there's still good aftermarket products out there. So staying in the vein, actually, this this kind of hits two things. It's it's both uh, it's both Jeep and it's also growth. Um, before we move on, just so anybody who's asking, they are DOT compliant. These new headlights, which is great. Yeah. But, but staying in the vein of Jeeps, you're talking about learning and and, and manufacturing here. Uh, you happen to have a partnership with one of my really good friends, Britt Manzel over at American Adventure Lab, and you guys are working with him full on the uh, lights for his new Highline kit, and he did a, a video kind of walking through the technology that's in the new ones, and, and he had gone with a 3D printed board, and he had a lot of failure rates, and he really wanted this product, like all of his products, to be as, as American as possible, and he has been working on this project for what seems like a couple years now, and to finally see the collaboration with you guys and what you did with that lighting and the way the LEDs are, are on the uh, on the board, the way the the um, the reflectors work, all of that is really exciting. I know it's not quite out yet, but I asked him if uh, it was okay if we brought it up, and he said, no, absolutely. Well, can you um, explain what the Highline kit is? Because if you yep. don't own a Jeep, you might not know. So on a, uh, on a Wrangler... They got big chunky LED lights or or uh, halogen turn signals at the base of the fender in gray plastic, facing forward, facing forward. And so, what American Adventure Lab did was they pioneered removing the inner fender liner, essentially, of the fender, so the painted or the actual fender piece stays there, and then putting a real thin LED strip that could either do white, amber, sequential, bunch of cool stuff on it to replace that big chunky thing. Well, what it allows you to do is it makes the Jeep look a little sleeker and it allows you to put a bigger tire in the side of the stock fender flare without having to take the fender flares off and go to like a metal one or something like that. And so he had designed this 3D printed housing that used this printed circuit board with the LED chips on it, but had a lot of issues and has literally been struggling to make, to find the highest quality piece that he can because these things are super popular in the Jeep world and I was excited when we were talking about it, and you know, he said that Diode was uh, his partner on it. I thought that was great, and the technology is really cool. Yeah, we've had a lot of a lot of fun developing that with them, and and they've been a really great partner, just showing a lot of support. Um, you know, honestly, we're a little bit behind schedule from where we started, just because we ended up going through a lot more prototype rounds and development than than we were expecting on it, but. A lot of good lessons learned with that, and uh, the end result, it looks like a factory part, you know, which is, which is the whole goal. We don't want this to look like a DIY project or, you know, seeing the individual LEDs or even just like that solid white appearance that you'll see on a lot of these aftermarket lights. You know, we built these to OE standards. It's using OEM plastics even. There's a whole list of plastics that are approved for use for OEM headlights. That's why your headlights don't get yellow anymore. We're following the steps just like it would be an OEM product. And I think the result is really great, but they've been a great partner and it's been exciting to get that together for them. And, uh, you know, actually just had a meeting today looking at that progress and seeing these parts come in so we can get production started. It's great. It's awesome too. Uh, and I've only seen photos that Britt sent me and, and his video, but it literally looks like the same quality. I, I'm excited for the person that buys that product and then opens up the box. And when they unbox it and they pull it out for the first time, it has the same quality appearance as 
say, your headlights. You know, the same effort, the same materials, that same feel of quality comes out. It doesn't, to your point, doesn't feel like a do-it-yourself or or some hobbyist put it together in his in his shop or something like that. This is done to that OE standard, and they look phenomenal on uh, on the Jeep from the uh, prototypes that I've seen. So kudos to that. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to get that started for them. And yeah, I mean, even the little details with looking like factory, it's like, is there a serial number on this part? If you don't have a serial number on your light, nobody cares if it failed. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, we care. If something goes wrong with your light, the first thing we're going to ask you is to tell us that serial number because that'll tell us exactly which circuit board's in there. That'll tell us the exact minute it was built. We can track that down. We can see exactly what happened. You know, it's just all these little details that add up to make sure that every customer is going to get what they expect and it, it will last. It will last that full warranty that you're expecting or, or longer. Paul, we talk about electronics a lot. Talking about, we started talking about like your Cree lights and, and, and the circuit boards and all that stuff, but Something that gets glossed over that I think might be harder, only you can speak to this, are the plastics. How do you come up with a lens? Because you guys offer full full lights that have that are replacement lights, basically, but better. But how do you create the clear plastic that doesn't have a glow or a halo or fogging in it? Or I don't even know how you, how does that happen? How do you engineer it? How do you know what plastics to use, et cetera, et cetera? That's a great question. And that's one reason that, you know, we, we become very well known in the off-road space and we've, I mean, we've put a lot of time. That's, it's really a majority of our business still is the off-road space right now. And, uh, that's the off-road's interesting because it's really like, how hard can you run these lights? How much power can you just get out of this small package? And as a result, you know, it's all metal. Well, the tolerances aren't really that important. You're sealing them up with, you know, O-rings, seals, gaskets, just mechanical type sealing structures, screws, fasteners. They have to be that way because they're really, you know, heavy duty. You have to be able to, well, you look at our, you know, YouTube or whatever. I think our guys were chucking these off the building the other day. I did not approve that. Um, <laughs> But, you know, they have to be that way because that's that's what it's for. With these factory lights, though, you need crazy curvatures, dimensions, geometries to achieve all these shapes. So you have to go plastics. And when you go plastics, it's so much harder to engineer that. Not necessarily the, the hazing, the fogginess, but the shrinkage in the parts. Um, when we go to weld them together, are they even going to be able to be welded because one, you know, a curve might have curved too much and then all of a sudden the pressure is not right where we're trying to weld it. Ultrasonic welding, vibration welding, we've got robotic adhesive, you know, dispensing. For that, we have to get plasma treating on the plastic just so it'll bond to that adhesive. It gets just way more complex than you might assume. I really prefer to just just bolt pieces of metal together when we can <laughs> and it's durable it works but it's too heavy and you can't do really you know exciting shapes and everything with with metal so the plastic stuff has been a challenge but there's reason you have to do it and i'm pretty proud of where we've been able to get with our supply chain uh to really rely on a couple uh um, really good just plastics uh mold mold shops to get these products made and, and to do the treatment, you have to do UV coatings on these. Um, to It's called a UV hard coat to get, um, you know, scratch resistance, but also UV resistance, again, to avoid yellowing. You have to do metallization, make sure not just it's shiny, but that it's actually reflecting the light and it's the smoothness you expect to get the beam patterns. Plastics is a very finicky field. I would imagine that things, even if you have the right, you know, chemical composition, 
to pour the plastic or shape the plastic, however you form it, there are going to be environmental factors in the uh, laboratory or the manufacturing facility, such as temperature, humidity, how it's cured, all that kind of stuff that probably comes into play with how well that end result product matches what the schematic says it should have been. Absolutely. I mean, you, it's pretty clear you walk into the factory, do they have a huge, you know, dryer on the pellets, keeping those pellets dry? Cause if there's humidity, you're going to have issues. Um, even when they're stored, it, you know, when we go to like ultrasonic weld our parts together, if they haven't been stored with the right humidity, then they might basically become brittle and not weld properly. Um, yeah, you're totally on the nail. A lot of controls have to flow through the entire supply chain and, then a lot of inspection by our team, every component before it even goes to the assembly line, we've got to take a really fine, close look, uh, which becomes very hard. You know, we've got 3D scanners just to inspect the plastic components. Because at some point, if you got looking at a curve, you can't really tell if that's exactly right. You're not just measuring something and seeing if it's 10 inches, you know, um, just all the fine details, especially with optical components, it, it gets tough, but that's good for us because, you know, we can really carve out our niche here and uh, do well in this space where, you know, nobody else on the aftermarket is really trying to do this in the United States at our, at this scale. And, and that's why, uh, it's, it's, it's costly, but it's, it's, I think it's a lot of fun. And then seeing that, the, you know, the chop kit for the AL, the Highline kit, you know, I just love seeing that type of result. I would think that, uh, one of the challenges is how do you get that message out? Well, obviously, coming on a, a podcast is, is one way, <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> right, that we're doing it, right? <laughs> right but, now, right now. <laughs> but when you walk around SEMA, which I'm sure we'll all be at here in a few weeks, the amount of lighting that has flooded the automotive aftermarket is is mind-bending. And so much of it is crap. Well, that's what I was going to say. There's, there's probably only... Three, maybe four, not talking about the off-road light guys, because I feel like those guys are a step ahead, but talking about like the the factory replacement lights, right? The headlights, the accessory lights. All the, the Honda Civic lights. The, the, yeah, the stuff that isn't going <laughs> racing somewhere where right. vibration and environmental factors are in play. But you go out there and you see all these companies and the lights are terrible. And I've had a couple things where somebody said, hey, well, try these lights and they send you a box. And they, you t- pick them up, and they have no girth to them. There's no weight to it. The the heat sink isn't even... I, maybe there is no heat sink. Or the heat sink is f- plastic fins that have been poured, you know, that have <laughs> oh, been shaped I've seen into... Oh, i right. <laughs> So I guess what I'm trying to ask is, you know, obviously there's a marketing challenge to say why you're more expensive and why you're better, but do you even see your competitors in the space? I mean, I know you said that, you know, at this scale, nobody else in the aftermarket is doing it. Is is there anyone that you respect? And you don't have to name names, but are there any competitors that you respect that are even coming close? Or is it all junk? I mean, for in terms of U.S. companies, there's a couple good ones out there, but it's mostly industrial OEM companies that kind of dabble in the aftermarket space. So, you know, your JW Speaker, everyone knows that in the Jeep world. Yep. Fantastic company uh, up in Wisconsin. They, you know, they've been around a long time and they do fantastic work. But a lot of these companies just stick to the OEM space because, unfortunately, you know, that's who's willing to pay the prices for this for that level of quality. Right. And when you're walking around SEMA, I mean, the easiest way to, you know, if you're looking for lights at SEMA, I would encourage you first just to go look at your light on your car (laughs) and see, hey, there's there's a serial number. 
There's witness marks showing a quality inspection. It says left on the left headlight in English. Um, <laughs> you know, these these really small details make a difference. And if you pick up a light at SEMA, look at the backside of that light and see, hey, did anyone care about this at all? Um, and, and you'll see even inside the light, you know, on these new, you know, vehicle headlights, I know you guys talked about, you know, the price of OEM headlights these days. And I think that's somewhat intentional because these OEM, you know, when we talk plastics, they're putting little micro etchings, uh, little micro logos and little features, metalization techniques, giving it really interesting looks in the light that are very technically hard to even produce. I mean, they're, I they're using them as intentional. part of the design now. Like that, the headlights are literally part of the design element. And I'm not talking about the shape of the headlight or the housing, but when you look inside the housing and you see a little RAM, RAM RAM logo or a roundel or... Mercedes and BMW are both famous for that. Or the way there are, you know, you look at a lot of the the, uh, really new stuff in the past maybe two, three years that have like a composite headlight set up. You look at the Hondas and Acuras that their headlight is like five or six individual things that, that are all projected together. I mean, all of these things, uh, and then of course the the you know what they call the signature LED lighting on a lot of these trucks that have their own personality, so that you can identify a vehicle going down the road just by how it's lit up at night. What do they call the Ford? The clamp was it called the C clamp? C clamp, and then the new GMC Denali Ultimate has their new lights, which they have little GMCs in them. They're so much intricate. detail. It's so intricate. How often do you see these OE lights and 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 you're like, oh, that's a lot to top. Yeah, that's the fun part. And I, you know, I end up buying a lot of them, which is, uh, you know, fun too, because, you know, we just are looking at these things all the time and seeing what's coming out is just crazy. And yeah, that's the thing. They're intentionally making these things expensive. Uh, it adds value when you look at them, of course, but then it's near impossible to copy that overseas. They just don't have that level of sophistication or quality. And literally just the molds to make all that are 10 times more expensive than just decking something you know flat with metal and shooting a flat part or something. So I think it's very much intentional. Unfortunately for the consumer, that means expensive headlights, but Personally, I love seeing how nice these headlights are, and that's and it's great to see the opportunity. You know, if you look at our Jeep headlight and now our new F-150 headlight, you know, we intentionally use these really thick wall light pipes in there, not because necessarily like that's the only way to do that, but I knew that if we did that, these would not be copied overseas because those are really expensive parts. <laughs> like we intentionally, just like these many OEs, like we make it expensive because it looks expensive looking. It looks really nice. But then at the end of the day, no one's going to copy that because it's just it's it's expensive to make. Um, it's hard to achieve that. By the way, light pipe is uh, opening up for. Damn you! I knew it. I knew. I, I looked right I at you. I knew you were going there. <laughs> well, uh, wait, wait. So you don't just go to Alibaba.com and look up light pipes. You know what I mean? Like, where do you even? You gotta. That's you not gotta, something. You gotta be in the industry. You gotta be in the industry. In with the lingo. Can I ask him about their DRL LED boards? So I was just looking at one of 2016 to 18 Chevy Silverado DRL LED boards, and this allows you to change the colors instead of just amber and white. You can go purple, red, blue, whatever you want. How did that come about, and has that been a success for you? Yeah, so that's that was exciting because that was really, you know, we, I started the business, you know, when I was in high school, started putting LEDs together, speaker wire, lit up your cup holders before that was a thing. And then I kind of went off to college. I started importing bulbs. 
I came back from college, decided to keep doing it. It was going well, but all this stuff was failing and decided to start engineering stuff. Well, it, you know, right out of school and everything, didn't have a whole lot of money. So the easiest thing to do was just sell the circuit boards. You know, the expensive part is doing all the molds and tools to actually build the plastic parts for lights. But the circuit boards, you don't, you know, that's not thousands and tens of thousands of dollars to invest. So really, um, you know, just from my experience taking apart these headlights and we were selling halos, if you remember, that was the big trend. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we made those to put into the headlights. But I, I took apart, actually, the first one was a 2013 Mustang headlight, and uh, I etched the board by hand, decided, okay, I can put different LEDs where these are and illuminate those same optics. Really wish I would have gotten a patent. Didn't know anything about patents at the time, because uh, uh, I can say definitely I was the first to uh, make these replacement boards. And uh, it's a great stopgap. And what was what's interesting with those is we put out lots of those multicolor ones. We put the and a lot of them were the switchback ones too, where all of a sudden your DRL went from white to turn signal, you know, amber flashed when you were turning. And now that's all you see on the road from these OEMs. Uh, so, Paul, you would have been you know, a freaking billionaire if you had p- licensed that. Wait, patent wait, wait. Out. He's he's already a billionaire. <laughs> well, I'm sure no, of it. I mean, <laughs> he's doing well, but I don't know if he's uh, you know got like Facebook or GM money. You know what I mean? But like this is uh, they're they're really neat. And so should I be scared to pull my light up? I know guys have been doing this for 10, 15 years, pulling the light apart and then putting changing the circuit board, which looks really kind of plug and play. But it's the putting it back together and being concerned that I didn't seal it right now. Now it might get moisture. Uh, Talk me through that. It's very easy. You should definitely buy it. So um, (laughs) that's and. That's that's why I'm not too upset. About I'm asking. The, uh, be, I'm asking about... because they make one for my TRX, and I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, no, wait. Well, who makes what? Oh, let me. Diodynamic. Okay, all right. <laughs> but no, that's why I'm not the billionaire because it, unfortunately it's not the easiest thing to do to pull these things apart. I would definitely recommend, especially with how expensive these headlights are, either find a crashed you know car, or a broken headlight to try it out first if you haven't done it, or send us someone who knows what they're doing which I will put a plug in our friends at retro shop. I talked, I heard you talk to uh, America's most wanted recently and they've yeah. been, they've been doing that for a lot for a lot of their Jeep builds um, with our headlights recently through retro shop. I love retro shop and I, I love Jared and the gang at uh, America's most wanted four by four. And again, I, I've known those guys for a long time, but it was the first time I had a chance to go to their factory in Michigan and, and walk around and, and really immerse myself for, you know, three days with them and I have all these pictures of the headlights up close where they even have, you know, the Hellcat or Demon logo inside their headlights with like their, you know, it's laser city light, yeah, city light style with it glowing red when it's idling, you know, like, you know, come get me. It just adds that again, it having that extra layer to uh, let the headlights speak to the design is really, really cool. And uh, I, I, I was just blown away. The, the quality and what they get out there, and of course Jay, he's uh, excuse me, Lightning. <laughs> he's a uh, he's a retro. Uh, he's a, well, I, I like they were yeah. so I f- I found this is long before I knew about Diodynamics, and I was you know doing car things, and they had a, a line. I'm sure you know Morimoto, um, and and mm-hmm. I I kind of liked that brand. I don't know how much I like it today, not because of Diodynamics, but. I went with no failures for a long time with some of that product, and then I started having some failures. I don't know how you look at that. Whatever. We don't have to talk about them. But, like, I, I like what they do. I like what they stood for, Retro Shop. And, so, and, they, and they have a lot of online tutorials as well, which I appreciate, as, as does Diodynamics. 
Yeah, we make that a big part of what we do. End of the day, it's hard to crack open those headlights. There's just no way around it. But the great thing about those circuit boards, it gave us, you know, a real firm foundation. And, you know, we're, we also, you know, we assemble all of our circuit boards in-house today. Uh, we're really, really proficient. We have a whole training program certification that we do with our staff. So, and that's what really lays the groundwork for quality in any electronics. And, you know, if, if you have a failure with a light these days, it's either going to be, you know, because it leaked somehow which, I mean, we've got a lot of pressure testing equipment and everything to test for that, 100%. Or it's because something's wrong with that circuit board, and that's why you'll see the failure two, three, four years down the road. If you have the protection on that, uh, it's just not going to happen. So we take a lot of pride in that circuit board quality, and that's that's really what sets the standard for us. So, Paul, when you were in your uh, dorm room or just coming out out of college, and it was just basically you, did you see the company being what it is today? I don't think so. Just mostly blind ambition, I'd call it. <laughs> but no, we, I mean, we have a lot of uh, you know, blind ambition over here ourselves. So just blind, just no mostly ambition, blind. Just blind. Yeah, just blind. <laughs> whatever happens is on accident. <laughs> it, it never leads to anything bad. So um, <laughs> no, it, it's been you know step by step, and I think just I mean just like any car guy, you just look at something, you know, you can make it better, whether that's, uh, whether that's your truck or a company or anything else. And, you know, knowing that people can do a lot, we, you know, we trust our people to really keep improving, keep learning, keep building what we're doing now every day. And, you know, that's the attitude I always, always had, just look at something, know it can be better and taking that approach day, day by day, you just keep building. Right. So you look at a company that does exhaust systems for example and you think oh man their days may be numbered and then you look at you and you're like well everyone's going to have to drive at night regardless of what they drive and it's going to be you know we're not going to go back to like candle power so it's going to be electric which is what you your future is bright pun intended and and you really just do that i i know i mean you have been sitting over there for like 20 minutes stewing waiting to get that out i literally just came up with it oh my god that just happened it was should we can we apologize to our guests please because Uh, hold on oh man lightning i can't believe you you use that pun we are deeply sorry (laughs) we're sorry (laughs) we're sorry (laughs) we're sorry what the hell is wrong you. I don't. I don't yeah. know. I'm sorry. Lightning! Lightning! I'm sorry! Lightning, I'm sorry! Lightning. Oh my God! Lightning! Shut the f! I up. will. Shut up! Uh, after this interview, shut up! I'll be quiet. Lightning! Shut up! Sorry. You know what's funny about that <laughs> is every time you play it, you uh, it's hundreds of times now and still nothing. No, I, I don't <laughs> listen to those. <laughs> Hey, Paul, I've got a question for you. You know, you started the company and uh, you were pretty uh, pretty young and youthful when you did that. When what, is he old and wizened now? <laughs> what are you when, insinuating? Well, I'm, just, I'm insinuating that he has lots of expertise and, uh, and life experience now. And? What's and can I finish my question? Yeah. When did you determine that you were a lighting enthusiast and that you would become the lighting guy for the aftermarket? At what point did you go, this is my path? You know, I, I thought I was going to be an attorney or something in college, but it, I just kept getting drawn back to the cars. You know, I didn't like sitting in class. I liked driving my car fast, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, with just looking at my options in life, seeing what I could do with the lights. It's really the technology. It's just changing so fast. And I absolutely consider myself a lighting enthusiast today. 
You know, that's I, I will buy a car if it has really good lights. That's that's what I go for, right? Well, like it kind of um, goes to my that goes to my question though. I was if it, you say I, that this conversation is illuminating, no, I'm gonna, I wasn't. Gonna no, beat you right I, here I as we said. No, I wasn't going to say that at all. No, I was going to say, Paul, you light up my life. No, Don't I was going to. <laughs> no, 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 like. Are you are you out there buying the new Teslas? Are you buying the new Rivians? Are you buying like going like, hey, we are going to be on we, the cutting edge. You mean trying to figure out which companies Bingo. are are leading the way in terms of lighting on the OE side? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, we're I I'm personally, you know, I like to see every car that comes in our garage. Um, you know, I'm kind of the the mechanic that doesn't take care of their own car in a lot of ways. I think it's a very common thing. So, you know, I, I've got a Wrangler and a Kia Stinger. I think they're great. You know, seeing every car that comes in and then the company does own a lot of cars. They're definitely not mine. I definitely don't use them, but that's a little bit easier way to get your hands on new stuff. And just seeing everything that's coming out, talking to even these OEM engineers and, you know, hearing the passion from other people, it's just an exciting space to be in right now uh, with how, how much is changing, how much you can do, how much you can program. There's, there's just unlimited options. So, you know, I, I would just encourage everybody to really take a hard look at what their lighting is and what, what it could be and uh, just keep asking for that. You know, that's kind of an interesting point you talk about uh, talking to the engineers. Do you also talk to the designers? And the reason I bring that up is when LED lighting first started to appear in the OE, it was all kind of individualized and, and you know, lots of individual breaks between LED chips. And then it got to diffused where it looked like light pipes and it was unbroken. And I'm starting to see the trend go back to multi-chip uh, LEDs inside of housing that are broken up by a graphic or by, you know, um, size differences. So or, they can dance now. Well, not even that, but I'm just thinking of like uh, the Hyundai Ionic 5 or Ionic is one of them that has like that 8-bit kind of vibe to it. Mm. And there's some really interesting things going on in the way the lighting is where it seemed like diffused was the way you showed everybody that you had this engineering acumen because there was no breaks coming from multiple led sources. But now it's almost like people want to have those individual sort of, I guess, delineation between the led uh, chips themselves. And I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that. And if you keep in touch with the design side to see where those trends are going inside the OEs. Yeah. I mean, I'm fortunate to, you know, have relationships with a lot of the engineers in, in this, these circles and everything. And it's just interesting. I think everyone's kind of amazed by how this, you know, component of a vehicle, all the turn, all of a sudden turn into like the biggest fashion statement on a car. You know, the, the common phrase is that, you know, like the, the, the new Chrome is lighting and it, but it, it provides a lot of challenges too, just because going to the design studio, it, it's again, it's just unlimited. So whether it's the Ionic, you know, or even just, even just the Tesla, you know, with the signature DRL or more so the Rivian, you know, just totally wild design. There's no way they did that other than just wanting to have a signature look. There's a lot of ways to shine light. It's just so many options and it, it does make it difficult. You know, our Jeep headlight, we have, we have probably eight or nine different prototypes that we went through of different styles and different options. And, um, but you, you can give it that personal touch and that just makes all that more fun. So I have a, I have an interesting idea for, uh, for the Wrangler headlights. Uh, and I don't know if you could tap into the CAN bus to do this or not, but like on the Rivian, one of the things when the Rivian first came out, uh, back when I was at motor trend and we got to drive them, when you plug it in that entire white, light that goes across the front of the truck turns green and tells you your LED uh, through the LEDs, your charging status, which I thought was really cool. 
with the Jeeps, like 4xE on top, it has the little blue lights on top of the dashboard. But how cool would it be if you plugged in your charger and then the the halo was like the amount of charge and it turned it green oh, like while you're plugged in like or something. Like a clock, it would yeah. go around. Yeah, That'd be kind of cool, right? Huh. Your headlights get yeah, a little we'll feedback. I like it. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> you're not going to charge him a royalty, Holman, for, for coming up with the idea? No, no. no. You, know, you just want a free set? No. No, 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 no I'm not even asking for anything. Yeah, he can't take it back, so. No, no, it's already, it's already out in the, uh, in the ether. ether yeah. No, well, we'll just guilt him into uh, uh, grabbing some uh, sponsorship of the Truck Show podcast. That's all. That's oh, all we ask for, oh, right? Yeah, 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 there there. Yeah. Paul, what was the most difficult set of... Well, anything, uh, either the entire light from soup to nuts or the most difficult board to design. What was the one thing where you like? What was the vehicle that gave you fits? I'm just like, I'm going to fire everyone over this. Like, this <laughs> is awful. I'm ne- and then finally you hatched it and you're like, ooh, we did it. Um, I mean, really, it's common now, but the, the Ram used to drive us absolutely batty because it was, you know, you, you, you might know when you take a standard bulb out, you put an LED and you get the fast blinking, right? And yeah. that's a safety feature. It's supposed to tell you the bulbs out because it's no longer using the power, which is fine. But uh, usually you just add a resistor and you're fine. But um, basically, whatever Stellantis, uh, whatever you want to call it now, they, they were the first to really start rolling out new systems that really started detecting that current. And man, we must have spent hundreds of hours just trying to figure this out and at that point it was like it could have been literally a five-minute conversation with the design engineer over there to tell us the answer and it was just find a needle in a haystack to exactly trying to nail it down so fortunately uh we we haven't had too many of those cases recently but it, it seems like it is getting harder and harder and just the time we put into the compatibility with these systems so you know and, and that's one thing with when you're looking at these lights you have to it's like it looks great it might light up cool, but read the details on the compatibility because yeah. it's like you can build a light. That's that part's easy. Making it compatible with every trim. That's a whole different story. And, and some of the harnesses that you get are junk. I mean, they just look like the cheesiest plastic and it looks like, you know, uh, some wire that you got at Harbor Freight and they, they're awful. I remember when the JKs uh, first came out and the first set of LED Headlights came. I think KC had some. Obviously, JW Speaker had some, and the forums were lit up with, my light is, they're flickering. Well, then we come to find out that uh, one of the issues was the uh, there's variable voltage going to the headlights. And because the incandescent bulbs don't dim enough for that variable voltage, they could essentially save fuel economy like one-tenth of a tenth of a tenth of a mile per gallon by varying the voltage of these things because the alternator wasn't providing all that power all the time. But the second that you put in an LED bulb or LED uh, light because it is so fast responding to the current, you would see it flicker. And basically they were never designed to have LED in it because these halogen bulbs are like, oh, we'll we'll be able to cut down our power demands by, you know, 20, 30 percent by, you know, sending pulses of power to the lights instead of keeping them constantly lit. And you're going, what the? (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, that's still the case. Even for LEDs now, the standard is every signal is running about 90 percent. So you have nothing getting full power to a headlight. And now the the bigger challenge is that you don't even have signals to the headlight. You just have power ground and then your data, and it says turn on the turn signal, turn on the low beam. And that's going to be a big dividing point because, uh, fortunately, my team's been working on that type of data control 
and it's it truly is smart headlights but obviously you don't need to run eight wires you can just run power ground and data and tell the light what to do right uh so it makes sense but it make you literally cannot take a power supply and turn on the light anymore that's just the state that we find ourselves in and it's going to require a lot more engineering to get there so I'm sure I'll find another opportunity to bang my head against the wall here soon. <laughs> Probably on the new Chevy Colorado, which doesn't even have a light switch on it. The uh, headlight uh, activation is in the display in the center stack. Well, I don't think that matters. All, what matters is it's CAN bus or not. Like, what do you think? There used to be. You could, I, I think it matters you, because but, if your screen goes dead, you can't control your headlights anymore. There's no physical button to oh, do I that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, There's literally no headlight switch on that vehicle. Hmm. Wow. So, yeah, where I, 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 I think would be. A situation where you want to pull your hair out is he figures out how the headlamp works and the CAN bus communication. He tracks it all down, but then he looks and the freaking connector is proprietary and GM owns the connector. And he's not going to say, cut off your wire at the connector and then solder on this new thing. How often do you have to tool up a connector? Almost every time, you usually. It, sometimes they're nice. Sometimes they use Molex, uh, depending on the manufacturer. Almost all the time we have to do the connector. And then and then even the problem is there's like uh, knockoffs on the market sometimes of the connector, but then we'll get them in and then we'll find out, oh, it's a little too tight. Um, and we got to do the pull test. Like these, the number of tests we do for every single component on the lights is just ridiculous. Um, basically, we have to be experts in every possible field aside from motor stuff. I, I want to uh, sing your praises on a particular application that drives me crazy. And that goes back to the Colorado. The 2015 to 2021 Colorado has, must have the, the not even the halogen, the, the actual like upgrade projector lights must have some of the worst power or light output I've ever seen on a modern vehicle. No, not worse than the Ford F-250 I'm driving right it's now. It's way worse. If you had a car It looks by- like when it's raining, the lights are off. That's how bad the no, Colorado dude, is. Dude, no, I'm telling you, if you had, the lights are dimmer than a carbide miner's hat back, you know. Oh, maybe like, you do need those candles and I'm lanterns on the front. I'm telling you, it's awful okay so i have to tr- on off on off just to see if it's on the gr- like i can't see it on the ground I'm like is i had to get out of the truck and look back all right so <laughs> my point is that Diodynamics offers a low beam led headlight bulb replacement that uses the factory optics and i have seen them they have to be 40 percent better than stock. I mean, it's not like an insignificant, you know, you would, back in the day, you'd put like the silver stars in and you're like, ooh, I got 5,000 Kelvin coming out and they're almost purple going down the road. It, it, it wasn't any better to see, but your lights were brighter. Well, your LED uh, H11 bulbs for the Colorado of the, the 25 to 2021 vintage uh, really transformed that headlight into something that's actually passable as, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and as something functional on the road. So thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. I uh, it, that's one of our most popular applications, or it was. Can't imagine why. I can't tell you to use them in the. Uh, I can't tell you to use them in the low beam anymore. Again, the, the DOT told us that that wasn't okay. So long story. You can read more about that if you'd like. But um, you know, of course, as the U.S. manufacturer, we have to be the ones to follow the rules. That's right. So um, off-road use yeah, only, guys. They, yeah, if you, if you if you have a truck that's on your farm or off road, it's it's a fantastic upgrade. Or in Mexico. Well, on behalf of Colorado owners everywhere. T H A K Y O U. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and you can also get the uh, high beam, and I believe the high beam is okay, right? Is that are you guys good uh, no. with that, or is that also not not uh, kosher? <laughs> 
depends on where you live and where okay. you're driving. Fair <laughs> enough. So uh, uh-huh. if you are in Mexico, go ahead because right. it will transform being able to. I can't imagine why it would be like, oh, you can't do that. It only makes the vehicle more safe. I red tape. That would that is. would be an argument. That <laughs> that would be an argument. Um, but yeah. You know, what's funny is uh, what prompted me to reach out to Paul because uh-huh. I fell in love. I was watching some YouTube the other night and I just found a guy who was uh, just doing an install on the hitch mount LED pod with reverse light. And I thought, that's freaking awesome. I'm going to buy one of these. But wait, I need to get him on the show. And then I bring it up to, to Paul just briefly in an email. I said, oh, I love these. He's like, Psh. That was easy. Let's talk about something harder. I love it. He was almost like, he was like, <laughs> oh, that was, we just checked that box. Like, that was an easy so, one for so us. So, Paul, just so you know, he came in the studio all excited. He's like, Dynamics has this, like, hitch receiver light. And I, was like, little, I was a little fired I'm up. like, yeah, and you should see all the other cool stuff they're doing. No, he's I like, knew, no, that's what Paul I, said. No, I knew that. <laughs> but he was like, yeah, that's how he's like, well, let's talk about something that actually took some engineering acumen. I'm like, oh, well, that's, it's, I like it. Well, you're also said very simple. <laughs> Apparently, I'm a simple man. Sorry, Paul. I love it too. It was a, it was a, t- you know, it was an easier one for us. But it's a fantastic product, and I mean, it's it's our best selling product now. It, you, I love those things. Uh, I love the convenience. That's what it's about. That's what you need. See, if we can make I'm not the only one. I I get it. I just think that their product line is filled with so many more things that are worthy of our our time. Well, we just spent the last hour talking about really intricate electronics and And, and, plastic housing. And by the way, your uh, your hitch-mounted LED light, this is best-selling product. It doesn't need help. We're going to talk about all the other cool well, stuff. Okay, See? we just introduced the, the the Jeep headlights. I like which, how you snuck it in at the end. Anyway, I you're had like, to. You're I, like, oh, hold on, I'm going to sneak it in. I had to. I love it. I'm looking at it now. I'm, no, it's only 160 bucks. I'm Diode makes uh, incredible products. I mean, I, I think if you guys were to go to diodynamics.com, check out the website. Uh, there's a year make model search. The amount of different products they make, uh, whether it's for your everyday street vehicle, for off road, the uh, bulbs, modules. There's there's Stuff that you probably didn't even think about that is in their catalog, and it's kind of fun just to go through the uh, the website and go, huh, yeah, that's why I'll never be rich. Never thought about that. <laughs> well, we have we have a lot of fun making some fun products, so really appreciate that, Paul. You're doing the Lord's work over there. Congratulations on the success, and not only building an amazing company, but um, one that's respected. and And I love the fact that you're just not sacrificing. You're not on the race to the bottom. It's just very impressive to see someone like shooting for the stars, and that's all you're going to build the best. Yeah, I'll be doing this till I die. I love it. We'll be here. We'll be here as long as you need us. Well, you know, we're not going anywhere, and uh, we're going to keep making fun stuff. Will your casket be covered in Diodynamics uh, LED uh, RGB uh, switchback uh, lighting? No one can get close to it. They're like, turn it off. Seriously, <laughs> I'm trying to pay my respects. Yeah. <laughs> it, it'll be a well-illuminated ceremony. Well, <laughs> well, hopefully that's not for uh, many, many decades right. to come because uh, we, we, we love having you in the industry and having the brand out there, and we appreciate you making time to uh, talk with these two knuckleheads. Well, pleasure is all mine, guys. Really enjoy the podcast. Happy to be a part of it. Uh, keep it up. You know what's funny? Right I almost call this dim bulbs. That's what's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that would have been that funny. Been no, funny. But he's, he's, did you notice that Paul dropped a couple references to past shows? So yeah. he's either done his homework over the mm-hmm. last like 48 hours. Do you think he's hooked yet? Or he actually listens, both of which scare me. <laughs> <laughs> he's going, yeah. Uh, did he call you earlier and try to reschedule? <laughs> yeah. I'll leave, I'll leave you guessing. Oh, All right, right, Paul, you're the best. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, thanks.
All right, Holman, before we get into my trip over to EGR in Ontario, California, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, lightning at truckshowpodcast.com, or Holman at truckshowpodcast.com. You guys can send us email any time of the day or night, and uh, it's stacking up. We're still accepting frontier spotting emails. I had I, I got another batch of uh, Truck Show Podcast stickers. So if you're in your truck and you spot a frontier of any generation, take a photo of it, send it over to us via email, and we will send you, well, I will, I'll send you a Truck Show Podcast sticker on the hizzy. That means free on the house. Uh, so speaking of on the house, you got a free tour of uh, EGR. I did indeed. All right, we have arrived at EGR in Ontario, California. Mr. Adam Grimm is waiting for us. How you doing? Good, buddy. Good, good, good. good. This is a big facility. It's like a city block long. Yeah, it is. All right, we're going to get some secret sauce in our EGR roll track cover, something new, new, new that no one has, a feature that they're just about to roll out, and we'll, uh, we'll tell you more about that in a second. We'll walk into the lobby here. So is that a, another pun, that they're rolling things out? You just can't get away from that, can you? <laughs> I am punny, You're aren't very I? punny tonight, yeah. <laughs> oh, do I need to sign in? Oh, this is the boring stuff. All right, here we go. Uh, Ooh. What time is it? Riveting podcasting. You signing <laughs> out security desk. I got a visitor tag. All right, let's go. I'm trying to, you know, like... Can you pause it real quick? I'm Can... trying to, like, give them some color, yeah, make yeah, them feel great. like they're there. Could you describe the visitor tag for us, Lightning? I, I really want my mind's eye to really understand everything you went through. Are we supposed to be quiet in here? Yeah, just okay. The wood. This is the what area? Leading product development. Product development. Okay. Yep. You've got uh, tables kind of mashed together in the in the middle, like a mush pot. Which uh, part of Texas is he from? Uh, he's not. You'll find out. Got a bunch of blank pieces of white paper, like giant print paper, so you guys can scribble. Oh, look at this. There's some new designs over here. Okay. That's just my trashy office. It's funny. You have a, a map on the wall of the United States of America because you're freaking Australian. You don't know state from state. No, got to know my directions. <laughs> How long have you been stateside, Adam? Uh, I've been here roughly, well, actually seven years this month, being in the U.S., working with EGR, EGR overall, 10 years. Do our accents drive you crazy or lack thereof? Nah, it's just the same. <laughs> Unless you're from Alabama. <laughs> Oh, then we just walked through the hallway. Now we're in the warehouse. Yep. Shnikes! This is huge. Okay, give me the rundown. What are we looking at here? On our right-hand side here, we have our acrylics department. So that's where they do all their hood guards, all of our in-channels, tape-ons, obviously for the OE and the aftermarket sector. Um, so yeah, they're all packed, all uh, work instructions and all that they go through and then once that's done they'll transfer them across into the warehouse how many uh, facilities does egr have worldwide i think it's like six right yeah there's quite a few um obviously corporates based out of brisbane australia um obviously we have the the us is two facilities in the us obviously the ontario plants the main manufacturing one and then we have our sister up in detroit which is just for the oes and the engineering office up there and then we have the uh uk over there, Thailand and China. A reminder that EGR is a supplier of a lot of OE stuff that you guys don't know is actually EGR. So yeah, so obviously here we have our uh, thermoforming. To our right, we have our robotic trim. So we're the only ones that have the robotic trim, uh, virtually pretty spot on to how it is to the vehicle. Um, and a lot of this is to all OE specifications. So we're looking at a, a machine over here with an armature that comes out of the top of it. This machine is about twice the size of our podcast studio, and it looks like a CNC machine. 
Yes, it's CNC, so we do all of our rear bumper protectors on there, especially for the OE. And then we do our cargo trays on there as well, which is all for OE. Can we go see? Yeah. All right. We gotta stay within this little uh, yeah, this that, little the, yeah. dotted line. Two two blue lines for safety comes first. Yep. We have to put your safety glasses on. I put my glasses on. So yeah, so here this is where all of our uh, OE rear bumpers take place. Um, so they have a process from trim, and then they prep them all out. Obviously they they put primer on there in the tape, and then they pack them out, and then put them in boxes and they ship them out to the OE customer. You love his accent, don't you? I love Australians, you know that. Look at all of these fixtures. Do you call them fixtures or jigs? Uh, trim fixtures, and then we have our, our tooling as well. So yeah, so all the ones in the purple, they're our thermulated tools that we have. So these are all temperature controlled. They're running our thermo, thermoform machine. So we're looking at racks and racks right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tall. I don't know, 30, 40 racks deep of just mold or form after form after form. Oh, look at this. Ford Ranger, rugged, bolt-on, with the part numbers left and right side, mold numbers. All the ones that you see in yellow are our trim fixtures and our check fixtures. So these are all from the robot. Once they get trimmed, they put them on the uh, check fixtures just to make sure that it's within the vehicle tolerance of how it's meant to fit on the vehicle. And then all everything else that you see in red is all of our thermoform vacuum tools which go in the machine and then obviously drape form, they get sucked out. And what type of material, uh, what are the differences materials? Uh, a, lot, a lot of our ones that we use is actually a ABS, unless it's asked by the OE, some of it may be TPO. Look at that, a 2020 Sierra HD fender flare right there, bolt-on. Yep, bolt-on. Oh, there's a 20 Ram. These are all the current models. Yep, all there, the Ram HDs, your Ranger, Toyota Tundra's up there. So there's going to be a, is it a male and a female of every mold? Yeah, no? you'll find that it's all, all male from the um, trim and form. It's all male tooling. And what are these molds made out of? These are all the aftermarket ones, unless they're high volume. These are all composite. These are all composite, so fiberglass tooling. I got you. Yeah. Oh, kind of old school, actually. Yeah, old school. Yeah. Yeah, very old. Are the original molds here for the fender flares, are they made by hand or do you use the CNC tool to make these yeah, as well? No. So when we do it, prototypes obviously CNC, then actual um, form tooling is actually all handmade. Handmade out of a cast, inside of a cast, female. And where's that done? Uh, all here on site, okay. everything we do on site, unless it's... Uh, That's in a you. secret lab that yeah. we can't see? Yeah, secret lab. <laughs> so then as we go around here, this is where our thermoforming production. So at the front of us here, we have our Mac machine, which does all of our um, thermoforming, all of our cargo trays, rear bumpers, and uh, fender flares. This is weird. It's deja vu because I've seen this machine in your videos. Yeah, yeah, so this is it. This, this is our, our big boy right here. So how this works is there is, it looks like a, um, a pallet that a forklift could uh, set a, um, a jig down on, or your fixture. How does this work? It lifts the jig up and the the uh, preheated and softened ABS comes down and lays on it like a wet blanket, basically. You suction it down onto the mold yep. and then it, as it cools, it takes the shape and hardens in that form. Yeah, so what happens is it'll come out of the oven at a X amount of heat and then it'll come through and then once it senses there, the machine will stop it and then the tools will come down 
into the um, warm ABS and then it will get va vacuum formed into the tool. I just noticed that that's the oven just to the oven. other side. Yep, so so it's, it's kind of a, uh, you know what this reminds me of if you've ever been to an amusement park and you've been on a roller coaster where all the mechanism is above your head, like the kind of roller coaster where you hang, right, and it takes you on the track. I feel like that's what it is. Like it's kind of, the parts all hang from this track. So all the parts are up the top and then, yeah, the sheet just hangs there and then, then it'll get formed in. So the tool will come into the sheet and then it'll get vacuum formed out. This pile over here and the one to your right, these piles of, of fender flares, have these been uh, trimmed yet or no? No, so the ones that you see there to your left, they're all stage ready to go in for um, production to be trimmed. So that's how they are. So that's, that's when they're untrimmed, that's what they look like. And then they'll go on the robot and then they'll get trimmed and then they pull the skeleton off once they're all trimmed. Can I go see one up close? Yep. So these are all nested together. So this whole section, this four inches, is gonna get trimmed, right? Yeah, so normally it's about inch, inch and a bit down where it gets trimmed, um, but obviously it just varies on, on the vehicle to where the trim actually is. So you have quite a bit of excess material, and where does that go? Uh, this all gets recycled. Um, there's a local um, scrapyard that we send it to, and they, they do do what they need to do with it so as you can see on our trim fixture on our check fixtures here that's where the trim should be by the time it's the final trims happen this is the line where the part needs to be so what's the tolerance of the machine is it an eighth of an inch a sixteenth uh, a couple thousandths that, that there's a couple of thousandths within two three mil wow yeah so it's very very precise trimming all right and you have a, a jeep grand cherokee over here for some reason yeah so the guys are currently um scanning the uh, front and rears for obviously our wi window deflectors and the uh, hood, hood guard that we'll, we'll offer on so it. Is this a 22 because uh, Holman's wife has the same one? Yes, this is actually a 22 brand new off the lot. <laughs> all right, I'm going to grab a couple of these for you, Sean. Yeah, okay. I'll say you've got all the 3D scanning dots on here. Well, brand new off the lot, shouldn't it be a 23? Uh, oh, it's almost 24. Yeah, true. I don't know when they got it. I just walked up and I'm like, oh, that's brand new. I yeah. just, yeah, figured, I don't know. So what'd you bring me? I might have left empty-handed. Oh, okay, I figured. Damn it, sorry. Julian, how you doing? Lightning, nice to meet you. Good. Truck Show Podcast. Good to meet you too. How you doing, buddy? Good. Good, good. So you've got a, a 3D scanning system. I can see you've already scanned the lip or the nose of the hood. That's correct. Uh, you've done around the, well, what we can see is the hood. I can even see the Jeep logo on the computer here. Yeah. Fully three-dimensional. That is correct. We're going to try and locate this uh, top surface to the bottom surface to the eight the b-class here okay so this hood guard it, it's that's amazing there is no one hood guard fits all everyone is custom it's to the application particular. right that's correct yep all mounting points are different uh styling's different everything size there's bracketry the the hardware that's uh, supplied it's all different how happy are you when a manufacturer comes out with another another year range they go they go from 23 to 24 and they don't change the hood, and they don't change the fenders, and you can just roll the 23 right into the 24. And you're like, yeah, I did a lot of work today. I just extended the skew to the next year. That's about it, man. Yeah, absolutely. In recent memory, which truck just gave you a colossal pain in the ass to make accessories for? Uh, I'd say the Sierra HD, and if not the Toyota Tundra. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. What was hard about the Sierra? Uh, obviously, with the, with the running lights that they have on there, um, obviously, because it's such a wide truck, um, we have to open up our tooling and all that, so we're getting there. 
I like how they've got the R&D in this section over here. I feel like you need your own space, Definitely right? Need your own space. And you need air conditioning, right? <laughs> yes, yes, desperately. <laughs> it's not even a hot day and it's still warm in here. Right? <laughs> well, thank you for spending time with us. Appreciate it. All right, get back to scanning. All right. All right. So this is all finished goods, I assume? Yes, yes, the, these are all waiting to be picked and then uh, off the truck they go to their final destination. All right, Adam, so then I'm looking at uh, racks and racks of the new roll track systems here. How many applications do we have here? I'm guessing Gladiator. Gladiator, which is all electric. We have our F-150, which is electric and manual. We have our Silverados, which is electric and manual. And we have our Rams, with the, which are electric and manual. <clears throat> we're, we're launching our new E3, which is all key fob integration across all of our SKUs on the on the uh, roll tracks, electric roll Now, tracks. see, damn it, I was going to debut that information when we got out to my truck and hooked it up. But the reason I'm at EGR today is Adam called me because we've got some new stuff I need to do to your TRX. I'm like, what new stuff are you talking about? And if you don't know, the EGR roll track, mine at least, is electric. So there are two soft buttons on either side of the, the, the bed rails, and you can retract it or deploy it. You can stop it halfway. You can, it, it has, two, it, how many speeds? Is it two or three speed? It's, no, it's just variable speeds. Variable speed. Yeah, variable right. speeds. And I've seen it, by the way, I've seen it go. I've parked up on a hill and it starts slow and then gets faster and then it slows down again. And I found out that if you jimmy the truck, you shake it really hard, it will lock itself in position because it thinks it's trying to be broken into. So it freezes. And, I mean, it, it locks itself closed, assuming that someone's trying to like get in. Correct, correct. So yeah, everything's very, very um, smart on the ECU, very sensitive, very security tight, which is our added, added bonus feature that we have for the uh, roll tracks across the manual and electric range. And when I lock my door, so it taps into the CAN bus in the B pillar in my truck, you've got some really fancy connectors that tap into the CAN bus. When I arm my doors, when I lock my locks, the roll track will not open. That is super slick. Yeah, so everything's all through the key fob. So once you go to lock your truck, the roll track will take that command and close and then it will be armed. So that means no buttons able so that everything becomes disabled. Right. So what is the plan for roll track? How many applications does the company ultimately intend to release? Do you have any idea? Uh, that we're still working on with the six fives. Um, we're, we're aiming to have them uh, from Q1 to Q2 of next year. Six and a half foot bed. Correct, okay. correct. With, with, the, um, with the 2500s also. Okay, yeah. now you know that people have been asking, at least us on Churchill Podcast, about eight foot beds. Is that coming? Uh, that, that'll be up to Mike Timmons. Okay. <laughs> oh, so he's got to submit some uh, market research then. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a Mike Timmons question. I would imagine that it's going to enlarge the roll canister a little bit because you've got another couple of, you know, foot and a half of, uh, you know, aluminum that's got to basically wind up inside that canister. By the way, I don't want to understate how well-engineered the canister is. When you think that your tunnel cover rolls up, this takes up a very small canister and the canister is made out of a composite material it's not steel it's not aluminum it can't be dented but the fact that it it bows uh, down uh it's, it's how do i say this the water drains to both sides and then you guys include four drain ports all the way around rubberized drain ports and then tubes that go through the bed down to the floor so no water intrusion in the bed itself when mike was in the studio he goes we thought of everything, we bought every, all the competition, and we fixed all the problems. Have a seat. All right, we're going to call Mr. Mike Timmons. We're going to harass him. He's the marketing guy. 
interesting um, green color in here. It's a greenish blue. A, uh, I'm not saying I don't like it, but I'd punch the person that painted the walls. I mean, right square in the jaw. So here's the thing about lighting that most listeners probably understand, but maybe don't overtly say. He, he fancies uh-huh. himself a marketing genius. No, I and do so not. so we engage well, with marketing folks from companies all over the industry on a regular basis. And Lightning will do this thing where he starts suggesting how their business model could be different or their colors <laughs> should be different or the guy who did their t-shirt ripped them off because he could do it better. I'm like, Lightning, it's not your company. Let it go. But he can't. He always has to. He's like, no, hold on. I'm the marketing sensei. No, no, no. It's Let just me that gather I- this all in in your boardroom color. I just can't not see it. I just can't. But can you just can't not say it? No. <laughs> Hello. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, geez. The guy that's got a face for radio. That's, well, you, you're one to talk, Mr. Billy Corgan. I mean, come on now. How often have you been uh, stopped on the street? And they're like, I love 1979. That's your greatest single. Way too many times. Smashing Pumpkin song, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Okay, if you have to explain the reference, Lightning. Well, I said it, and then I thought, oh, how many people aren't, like, alt-rock fans, uh, you know? <laughs> uh, what's up, gentlemen? How you doing? Good. How are you? Can I tell you that that joke was a zero? Yeah. <laughs> Total zero. I should have edited it out, but I didn't. I lifted it just for you guys. You Good. get the... You? <laughs> you, of all people, should get that reference. Oh, zero. The song zero. And his wow. shirt that he used to always wear. Okay. Yeah, I have I to, zero. I know. I'm I explaining know. the joke to the guy. Oh, okay. I forgot the song. I hated I, zero. I give up. I, I hated that. I hated that, that album and the tracks. It was crap. Right. That's why you should remember it. That's when Billy was hate. A, That's when Billy Corgan was a dick. Did I tell you that I once went to a Smashing Pumpkins concert? It was one of the only ones I ever left early. Uh, uh, it was at I've, the Pond in Anaheim. I left their show's... Two or three times early. It was at the Pond of Anaheim sometime in the late 90s. Garbage open for them. They were awesome. It was a, a show that was rescheduled because of a rain shack. Some dude threw like a water bottle up on stage and Billy Corrigan freaked out on the entire crowd like two songs in and then did thrash metal the rest of the time. Wouldn't do any of his like hit songs. So we left. That was around the same time that Chili Peppers wouldn't do any of their hits. They were just <laughs> being dicks as well. And they were just like, they would think it was like super old rock. We're not going to play today. Like yeah. they, that's... That's Smashing Pumpkins' biggest song ever is today. And they wouldn't do it. That's like Chili Peppers not doing Under the Bridge or- Meanwhile, I I go to the uh, Country Coastal Jam a few weeks ago because our friend Sarah Morrison over at uh, LGECTS said, hey, we need four by fours for our midway. Do you want to bring your Jeep? We'll get you into the show. So me and my kid get in there and we got ourselves talked in with security for pit passes. Mm. And so we went and we're like 20 feet away on the stage from seeing Tim McGraw. And my daughter's like- Dad, I don't, I don't really like Tim McGraw. I'm like, just listen, here's the deal. It doesn't matter who you go see. You'll learn something, and the experience is awesome. And I will tell you, Tim McGraw puts on a hell of a show. Sure. Great entertainer. And I forgot how many songs of his I liked. I was, like, stoked. And my daughter's like, Dad, this is awesome. And she was watching his uh, guitarist had a Tom Petty shirt on and was doing guitar changes, and she's into guitars, and she's learning right now. And she's like, 
that's a blah, blah, blah. That's a blah, blah, blah. Like, I am with cars and trucks. She was with guitars, and so she ended up having a great time. I don't know why I told that story other than to say that some <laughs> bands suck, and here's a guy who's been around for 30 years or whatever, still at the top of his game, whether you like him or not, putting on an entertaining show that you could totally get behind. I guess I, that was my point. Anyway, back to the boardroom that, <laughs> with the color you hate. Uh, what's up, gentlemen? How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm I'm creeping in Adam's office right here. Hey, uh, I was busting on the uh, the paint color. Like seriously, with this office, this is like not okay <laughs> at all. You you're jealous. You know it. <laughs> I don't. Have you seen these walls? Look at this. This is crazy. Oh no, I just it matches up the camera. Justin's shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. No, it looks way better on Justin right there. What's going on, gentlemen? How much? How are you? I'm doing outstanding. Uh, he, Adam just ran me through the warehouse. Pretty impressive operation over here. Saw the machines being uh, moved from uh, fixture to fixture. They were swapping over for, for different applications. Saw that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm impressed. So I got to tell you guys, first off, I don't know if you've heard any of the podcasts over the last six, eight months, whatever it's been, but I was telling Adam, in all sincerity, the roll track is phenomenally engineered. And I said, I've said it to you on the phone. I'll say it to you over this uh, Zoom, sorry, what are we, Teams meeting, Microsoft Teams. <laughs> Legitimately, look into my eyes in the camera. This is a phenomenal product and it deserves to wait, get wait, as- Can you start that over so I can start recording? Right, no, 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 I'm, I'm just saying like, it's so much better than other tonneau covers in every, in every way. And when Adam calls me up, he goes, so you're telling me after all that, you still walked out empty-handed? Well, no, I, I got what I came oh, for. Oh, you got it. I'm just checking. No, I, no hold on. <laughs> I didn't actually get anything physical. They just reflashed the ECM in my roll track, so now I can operate it with a keyboard, which you'll hear in a minute. I, I don't care about your blathering on about how much you love everybody, but how did they do that? Is it Wi-Fi, Bluetooth? Is there a USB cable? What well, was the why physical? don't you just listen to oh, this show? Oh, you actually asked some interesting questions. That Shut up. had nothing to do with pass color on the wall. And when Adam calls me up, he goes, hey, we're going to add another feature to it. I said, okay, this is a gift that keeps on giving. That is why I'm here, because I guess you have the new key fob activation, which I'm excited to try out. That's really neat. But I, I just geek out. You guys know that I'm into, both Holman and I are into the, the tech thing. And yep. we just geek out on the littlest things. The way that when I opened the original box and took the roll track out of the box, it wasn't just packed in with some foam and whatnot. Every wire had its place. Everything was tagged and marked appropriately. There was no, like, I never had to second guess, where does this go, where does that go? Everything was just so precise, so well, well thought through. And I felt like, yes, maybe the roll track is a little more expensive than the competition, but when you hold it in your hands, you go, I get it. It's, but, it's but, like the difference between an F-150 and a Ram. <laughs> I, I take it that uh, Mr. Justin has an F-150? Yeah. 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 And I have a ring. <laughs> so yeah. Do you. yeah, that stings right there, buddy. <laughs> so congratulations in short. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. I love you guys and I would kiss and hug you if you were here and not in the Pacific Northwest, but uh I'll see you when you're back in the studio. Thanks, guys. Bye. Guys. All, right. All right, we're back outside of EGR in the front, and oh my gosh. Is that a, a grenadine? That's the brand new Enos. Uh, Grenadier here in the United Grenadier. States. Grenadier. Oh. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I knew you'd I mean, hate that. Are you? Uh, 
Do you even listen to the show? I hate the fact that it's called a Grenadier. But again, not your company to be the marketing guy on. I'm not being the marketing guy. I think it's, I think it's funny if I screw the name up. You called it grenadine. It's like that's that. like a red liquid you put into alcohol. I know that. My kids get Shirley Temples, or they did when they were small. I get it. Stupid. It just cracked me yeah, up. Yeah, it would be stupid if the name was grenadine. <laughs> it's a grenadier. Did you look at it at all? Were you? Did you actually go touch it? I, I mean, asked one him. of the hottest vehicles coming to the states in a long time. So yes, I did, and uh-huh. he forbade me from taking any photographs. I didn't ask if you took photos. Yes. I asked if you sat in it, touched it, got a chance to see it. Saw it, yes, didn't get Did you do a truck review? No. No, because I wasn't allowed. I couldn't get in it. I walked around it. Okay. And to me, it's a Range Rover. No. I mean, it looks like a Range Rover. No. Well, Land Rover, not a Range Rover. Rover. Uh, Sorry, Land Rover. Completely different things. Right. It looks like a Defender. It should look like a Defender. It's the Defender that should have come out, except frickin' Range Rover ruined it with their Velar and (laughs) whatever else. The Defender... Now 130 that has like a four foot overhang off the back. And anyway, this was a really wild blue color, like like not a baby blue, but something in that family. Yeah. We need to go do a test drive when we're allowed to. We should call them up and say, can we just take it around the block? They might allow us to. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I guess this one will be at SEMA. So we'll see it there. Grenadine. You have the only one in the United States? That is correct. How did that happen? Uh, it's something that EGR um, Europe is, is working on with the Grenadier for the uh, auto accessory reins for, for the Grenadier product line. Okay. I'm going to go have a look. Can I take photos of it or is it off limits? Off limits. Damn you. Yeah, off limits. Okay. All right, well. So what we're doing is in the front. I'm sitting in the bed and Adam's leaned over the uh, bedside and he is opening a secret panel uh, about the size of a little USB plug. And he has plugged in a device that looks like a handheld MP3 player. I actually think it is a handheld MP3 player. He's just listening to music. We're at, oh, no. I turned it over. I look at the screen. And that's all code. And what we're doing is he is reprogramming, reflashing the ECM, uh, the electronic control module that is in the roll track housing. And in theory, I will be able to open and close the roll track from my key fob. That is going to be Dopey Dopester. And by the way, yes, I said Dopey Dopester. So, by the way, I'm not talking about like a key fob that comes with, you know, an airbag system or a key fob that comes with, you know, your electronic uh, exhaust cutout system like one of those Chinese things. No, this is my RAM key fob. So they've tapped into the CAN bus, right? So I could, uh, so I told you earlier how it locks and unlocks. I'm still trying to figure out what Dopey Dopester means. I don't know. But dude. They've tapped into the CAN bus so they know when I double, when I, well, you'll, you'll hear it. Let me just play. So the roll track is closed and uh, Adam has my key fob in his hands. He just did two clicks of the key fob and the roll track is opening for the win. <laughs> Am I overly excited? Yeah, absolutely. I would be too. You know, first on the market, electric key fob. This is awesome. Yep, and then we just go again. Two for the close. I don't know if you could hear, but we got two horn honks. And there we go. And here, I'll, I'll get the mechanism closing. It's so quiet, you're not going to pick it up with my microphone. Wow. All right, and the roll track is all the way closed. So that actually is pretty cool that they're able to tie that to your existing uh, vehicle key fob so you don't have to carry around two key fobs. I think that's huge. 
Where is it picking up the canvas? Is it plugged into your OBD2 port? No, the B-pillar. So what they do is super trick. They give you a long piece of uh, cable that goes from the bed, basically under the where your uh, driver's side, rear passenger, their feet would be planted. When you pull up the carpet, there's a plug in the floor and you pop a hole right through it and you go all the way. Uh, you make a home run to the battery. You mean right? a plug, not an electrical plug, a, a body plug. A body plug. Thank you. Yes, a body plug. That's got some stuff. Anyway, you pop a hole in it and go all the way, home run up to the battery. But it splits off in a Y at the B pillar. And you go up the B pillar. So you have to pull the uh, the plastic away. The where trim. Yeah, the, but what I'm trim. asking, what is the mechanism for attaching to the CAN bus? Check it out. It ha- They've got proprietary plugs. Well, actually, it's, they've got these Stellantis plugs, the RAM okay. plugs. So they you disconnect the CAN bus that's in that, that has the door triggers. When they're open or closed or locked, you tap into that. It wise off, basically a splitter. And that, and it but it's a back splitter to with a plug, so Correct. there's nothing left loose or anything. No, you're not cool. cutting anything. They Very have cool. plugs. You just plug it right in. I it love was stunning, stunningly like easy to do. Very cool. And that's how they're getting all the CAN bus information. So all they have to do is, as they learn more about the CAN bus, they can just reflash the ECM in the canister, and it will do all this cool stuff. So uh, it's, yeah, it's really neat. And it's done. And we're out. You're the man, Adam. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. Thanks right. for coming to EGR. EGR for the win. So it was a good day out there in Ontario, California, aside from the whole 100-degree thing. All right, it's time to cleanse your palate of lightning with some uh, five-star hotline calls. I'm in. Oh, come on and be part of the show. Call the five-star hotline. 657-205-6105. It's the five-star hotline. Five-star Lightning, Holman. Uh, it's Rich. Yeah. Uh, after listening to my own version of the uh, good old uh, crikey accent, I would like to take that back, and I would... <laughs> I should hope so. Keep up the great work. Mounter the parameters, as always, and uh, five stars to you both. I'm going to go sip on a can of fruitcake Mountain Dew. Oh, don't do it. Oh, don't do it. That's, oh, that's sure gnarly. death. Yeah, for those who don't remember, uh, Rich came out to help build our podcast studio, the Podshed, and brought with him fruitcake-flavored Mountain Dew, which was, I guess he's a, a Mountain Dew aficionado and a collector, and he used to be part of like the Mountain Dew crew back in the day where they would release new flavors and stuff. So uh, he somehow got his hands on the special holiday flavor that was he decided uh, to share with old Lightning and Holman, and it was absolutely disgusting. Cough syrup, wish it tasted that bad. It was like uh, if cough syrup tasted the way cough syrup does, but then also caramelized bread was in it as well. Really sticky caramelized bread, like really brown and just like gross. Oh, Lord. What's up, boys? It's Jordan from Florida Truck Meat. Jay, I have a gripe on you. Oh, come on with the the whole Jay thing. Man, Uh, I don't understand what your hatred is with F-150s. I feel like maybe an F-150 ran over your stuffed animal or RC car when you were a kid. It just seems like you always have a gripe about them, and I just don't understand it. I will agree with you that at least 80% of them, I mean, especially here in Florida, are all done with aftermarket parts. And I even see some of the work trucks, dedicated straight-up work trucks, 
actually have some like aftermarket parts, you know, bumpers, stuff like that. Would you stop it? It's almost like the working man wants to also look cool in the job. Huh. So, but uh, anyways, I will see you guys here in, shoot, what, about a month and a half or so? It's about FEMA time. Can you believe that already? I uh, I know you guys are excited to get out there. Uh, we'll have to sit down, talk some stories. Anyways, I love you guys. I miss you. And I'll see you guys here in just uh, about five or six weeks or so. Love you. And, Jordan, about the uh, F-150s, they're just all fleet vehicles is no, what I'm saying. No, no, you've been proven wrong again. Uh, there, Steve, just play that next phone call. Hello. Can I speak to Sean? Uh, this is Grace from China. I work for eBay Auto Parts. I hmm. have sent you an email about business cooperation. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of your Instagram. Um, <laughs> so, so can you uh, reply my email? About I, I, I get this cooperation. Oh. I get you. this email. Well, hold on a second. Or this voicemail. So she's a fan of your Instagram? Which is, but is she eBay Motors or not? So anyway, I get this. So I looked through all my email and the junk and nothing. So I don't know what, that was just like the weirdest random phone call ever. Hey guys. Uh, just wanted to leave a message. My first one. Uh, this is Jake Brias. <laughs> hey, thanks for sending those. By the way, uh, Jake uh, just put Jake P. I think on his uh, uh, frontier spotting email, and I so I can't just put Jake P. I had to write Prius because yeah. what self-respecting truck guy drives a Prius? Some do actually, but I, uh, I mean, yeah. I would drive a new yeah, Prius. My I wife already know. said no, though. Hey, I uh, want to say thanks for having the guys from Hot Shots secret on. Uh, I've been running that fuel treat for. Ford Power Stroke, I'm driving around for work. Turned on a buddy of mine to that stuff as well. Diction Eliminator. So far, so good. Anyhow, thanks for everything you do and putting on a great show. Keeping the tipkins meter down. Really appreciate it. Hey, y'all have a good one. Take care. Well, we try to. But we're not always uh, successful. But our suckage is definitely uh, lower than that phone call quality. Yeah. <laughs> Light man and old dog, what's up? It's Colby calling in again. And although I'm not technically driving a spud truck, I am driving a truck in Idaho, which, I don't know, seems, seems close enough to me. Anyway, just delivering some uh, evidence to an undisclosed location on Tuesday night at like 8 p.m., and listening to this last episode and the, the spud truck driver talking about old vehicles and how they were iconic and how the new ones are kind of all just look blah. And for whatever reason, it got me kind of thinking, I don't know, philosophical about, uh, about you know, especially about internal combustion engines. The Model T, I think, started in like 1908 until the mid-1920s, somewhere in there. So, like, we're about 100 years since the end of the Model T. And to think about how much vehicles have changed, right? Like, almost the entire phase of uh, internal combustion engines being the, the dominating driver has happened in this 100 years. And now we're seeing electrification on the horizon. You know, I'm sure that... In the 1800s, the, the cowboys of the day were kind of feeling how we feel now, right? Like, they were kind of seeing these new gas-powered buggies, and, you know, they're 
cursing them up and down, telling them they're never going to be as good as their horse, and horses are always going to be better. And I'm sure it was a little sad for them when they started seeing, like, their dirt trails they were riding turn into the roads and, and phase out the horse, you know, somewhat. But good news is about that, uh, there's still horses around. There's still cowboys around. So now we're kind of on the flip side of that. And now we're, like, looking at this EV and electrification on the horizon, and we're kind of like, oh, it's never going to be as good. Like, we love our loud, big V8s and the you know, crazy horsepower that we're getting. And I hope, I hope that I never see the day that, that we can have those, uh, you know, at least these old ones, but um, I hope we can still continue to use them and and have fun with them just the way we still continue to use horses. Maybe maybe not as, like, widespread as they once were. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what uh, vehicles look like in the next 50 to 100 years. Uh, keep up the good work. I can't believe it's been like two years since Lockjaw went to SEMA. Like it seems like just yesterday, Lightning, Lightning was given that truck for a dollar and then squandered it away, and now it's like just sitting somewhere. But at least at this time, you have a truck. At least there's a TRX and you're not truckless. So it's been a long road, and hopefully we have a long path ahead of us. So keep up the good work, guys. Have a good one. That is kind of neat, just hearing one of our listeners call in and just share a stream of uh, consciousness. Tell yeah. us what's on his mind. No, I, I think it's cool, and uh, we don't have to go down that road now because it's a long topic about what what the future of you know vehicles look like. But that's uh, I, I do really appreciate you calling the five star hotline six five seven two zero five sixty one zero five. Kevin Hart here from uh, Texas. Hashtag not that Kevin Hart, but uh, <laughs> just listening to the recent episode here and. You know, Sean, you're driving that CRV around town with that beard, and you got the car seat in the back. I mean, I respect that, brother. But, you know, let's go back four or five years ago when we were giving old Latin and hell every single day about driving that old PT cruiser and everything else. So uh, I think Lightning is going to take a, take a win in this column for today. Uh, you boys have a great, fine morning. Five stars. Talk to you later. Hell yeah, brother. That's right. That's funny. Lightning by, is going to take the win. Not uh, a PT uh, Cruiser, a Mini. Uh, uh, which is way lamer no than way. ACRV. What are you talking about? Are you are you actually saying that a, a supercharged Mini Cooper S is lamer? That was yellow with a fading white wrap on it that looked like an egg that had cracked? Oh, hold on, dude. I went through uh-huh. a cool pearlescent white oh, wrap yeah? with black wheels. Well, told, yeah. Stormtrooper bo- uh-huh. before anyone was doing Stormtrooper. I, I did a, a burnt orange. Oh, like you're sorry. Are you still talking? You lost me already. Dude, that's total douchery right there. Uh, you know yeah. that CRV is super whack. It's not. What really whack? Yeah. No, dude, it's awesome. What is your? I love it. It's such a good around town car. I don't. Perfect for the family. Again, you, listen. I have it because I have kids you, and family and things, and I still have an awesome vehicle in the driveway. You were truckless with a mini, and you got the mini because you loved it for yourself. That's different. What are you talking about? I was. I got the mini when I had. Uh, so what did I have? I, it was an issue where I needed a car. And my parents are like, oh, we're going to sell this for nothing. Do you want it? I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it for I nothing? Just, no, because I needed a car at that time. Uh-huh. I don't remember what my situation was. And then you fell but in love like, with it, and it was, it was beautiful. At first, they gave it to me like, I can't drive this this putrid yellow car, so I wrapped it. And, also, and I lowered it, and I did put a 
bitching stereo in it. That car was freaking fun. It was so cool that our mm-hmm. friend Ben up at 406 Garage mm-hmm. begged me to sell it to his son, which I did. Now and his then son he is, sold it to and somebody then he else. Ejected it. it. Yeah, he flipped <laughs> it. Now I'm pissed. By the way, he just ben. had a birthday, so uh, Lightning may hate you. But I still love Ben Palmer. I love Ben. I'm just a little chap that he got rid of the car. He was supposed to hold on to it for his son. I gave it to you for nothing. Dude, I'm seriously. I love how you being angry that I have been enjoying a CRV to take the kids around town has now turned into you being mad about Ben and your mini. (laughs) Ben, I love you, and I'm going to stay at your house again. That's how much I love you. I don't think you can invite yourself to somebody's house. I'm bringing a lot of beer. All right, play the next one. No. One more to go. No, because you don't get out of this. Your CRV (laughs) doesn't. Is not uh-huh. cool. Will never be cool. I don't care yeah. if he gets a hundred miles to the I, gallon. But here's the difference: I didn't get it because I think it's cool, or I'm trying to be cool. But you're in it. defending it. Yeah, I'm defending you're, it for the utensil that it is. But you're it's like a, it's oh, the world's I, best I appliance. Love it. I love it. But it's 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 hideous. It's pretty awesome. You get on the freeway and it's like, well, I'm getting 32 miles per gallon. You're like, sweet. But it's but it's 32 miles with a big poster that says, "I'm a dork." No, no, it's 32 miles with tinted windows. And so no one, yeah, because it's embarrassing to be seen in it. That's why it's so tinted. Okay, yeah. Oh uh-huh. man, you guys, you you're listening. You how, know no, how many truck this, guys out there? Hold your horses. How many truck guys out there have a second vehicle that's sort of your around town where you keep the miles off the truck that you love or the four by four vehicle that no, you no, love? No, no. I Lots get of it. you. I get it. Lots of you. I, they do. Uh-huh. That's fine. Uh-huh. I'm not against that at all. Uh-huh. You've got a gas guzzler truck, diesel. Uh-huh. You got a big mm-hmm. supercharged whatever. I get that part. You sure are yelling a lot. The fact that yours is dumb. Yours in is- In your opinion, fine. I've got it's a- just not- You're just unhappy that I have a top-of-the-line touring model that has <laughs> leather seats, a sunroof, everything. Yeah, it's freaking awesome. I don't care if Taylor you Swift clear, were naked in the care. back. It ain't any cooler. Nah, you clearly care. Listen to you. Sean and Jay. Hey, guys. Just got done listening to the Hellwick episode. Uh, really enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed listening to uh, Jay give Sean a whole hard time about uh, driving the CRV for the good mileage. Um, I, I kind of like hearing you guys out there struggling with uh, high gas prices, not because not it's hurting, but just to get a different perspective. I always hear you guys talk about driving these uh, non-fuel-efficient rigs. I know you guys are in the business, the industry. Um but uh, I was just curious how you guys were enjoying living with that. Worked the uh, Dave Ramsey plant with my wife. We're completely debt-free. My 03 F-150 has been paid for, for about 19 years. Would love to be driving what any either one of you two are driving. But uh, just can't make myself pull the trigger on that. I, I'd be curious to know if you guys wanted to do some kind of pull. I, I, if people would pass up to it. I would be so curious to hear what people's monthly truck payments are, uh, what their pain threshold is. I hear these eight, nine thousand dollar a month car payments. Uh, don't know if that's like a five, six, seven, eight year uh, program that they're on, but it's too rich for my blood. Also, heard you guys talking about my flower delivery deal uh, and some uh, nose candy. And, uh, <laughs> I definitely walk up to uh, receiving offices with a gallon Ziploc bag, a sample for them, and can't tell you how many times I hear guys like, oh, man, that looks awesome. Oh, man, is that what I think it is? No. Just got to shrug my shoulders and say, sorry, guys. I'm just here with the flower. You guys, take it easy. You guys are doing a great job. I know it's hard work. I don't know if it was you guys or another podcast. I think it might have been Jay. 
said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, uh, write down a thousand things that you would do for your first thousand episodes. Started thinking about that, and that seems really hard. So <laughs> I know this is a long message, but uh, again, just living vicariously through you guys' adventures. So keep up the good work, and uh, thanks. Take care. Appreciate that message. Thank you. 657-205-6105 is the five-star hotline. We implore you to leave us a message and share your thoughts. Yeah, especially if it's your uh, car payment <laughs> and how long your uh, your loan is. My, my pain point uh, before I didn't have a job was about $400 a month. That's like my – I anything over than that, uh, we can afford more than that, and it's just – I just keep, couldn't do it. Like uh-huh. really, my comfort level is like around 350 or something like that. So – Typically, when I buy a new vehicle, I put enough down to where that can be my my payments in that range. And I feel comfortable with that. Everybody's different. Everybody has different sensibilities. Um, my father will not pay payments on a vehicle at all, period. Yeah. He will like, if I can't afford it, I do it. No, mine's a grand. There and I know that, that'll shock a lot of people. Like, I couldn't do a grand. That, that's, that's a mortgage. That's where my threshold is. For some people. It is a mortgage. I, I literally I could have said, before I bought the TRX, I go, I could buy a little condo somewhere, you know. And now your wife can't have a Range Rover. And now she cannot have a Range Rover because <laughs> I have a freaking 702 horsepower beast. She's got a nice car. It's fine. She's got a nice car. Kids have nice cars. It's all good. We're super, super lucky and spoiled and... It's well, all good. I listen, work like a banshee, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's my pain. And, I, and I, I'm lucky to have a uh, fuel efficient uh, CRV to use until my kid gets her license, and then she uh, she gets it, and I'm back into uh, 392 world. Unless by then I make enough money or I've got enough clients to uh, afford a nice little Nissan pickup truck, because I'd love to get uh, I'd love to get a little mid sized truck to be the uh, the round town runner. It would be way cooler than that stupid CRV. Definitely cooler than that stupid Mini. <laughs> Dude, that Mini was rad. That was a little rocket car. So uh-huh. fun in the twisty mountain roads. I hit a pothole. My wheels bent. I mean, that might have happened once or twice. The truck show. The truck show. The truck show. Oh, oh. Let's talk about minis and CRVs right before the song says trucks. <laughs> that's what happened they, there. They can, well, I don't care. They, they can relate. Listen, I want to hear from you guys. Uh, leave us a voicemail. 657-205-6105. If you... Have a extra set of wheels that's just sitting in your driveway, and it's sort of your like, like maybe you don't tell people about it, but it's your daily, and like you've got a rad hot rod truck, a pre runner, whatever. There's something cool in the garage, and then people see that, they're like, hey Dave, what's up with the Civic? And you're like, what's up, dude? That's right. You're like, I'm comfortable because you know what's in my garage? That's right. Now, hold on a second. Civic is cooler than the CRV. A, a Civic C- is a CRV, it's just lower. It's, Literally it's the exact same car. It's got better lines. It's a CRV says, "I'm a, I'm a housewife that has to like transport children to school." I basically and am a housewife that has to transport. You're not a housewife. I am. No. My wife is the breadwinner. I'm a stay-at-home dad. I work from home. I do this stupid podcast with you, and I taxi drive a bunch of kids around. It's that's that's my new life. I'm not. I'm saying, embracing who I am. But again, I'm not saying. Well, then you're you're a dork. <laughs> okay, but you know what? I have a loving family and children that get to where they need to go. And I'm not going bankrupt putting gas in the uh, 392 fuel tank right now. You're maybe, not, you're, you're not going to make you should. Me, maybe you should. It's you're more fun. Not gonna you know what's happening to you right now? This. You're dying on the inside. You're just I'm, not going to admit it. Okay, yeah, that's true. Sure, I'm dying. All right, let's twist it and talk about 
happy stuff. Okay, like uh, following us on social. You can follow us uh, at Truck Show Podcast or at LBC Lighting or at Sean P. Holman and see what we're up to in our uh, daily non-podcast lives. And we want to thank Nissan because they make it a really rad truck. Check out the Titan with the industry's best warranty, five-year, 100,000 miles. Or if you need something a little more compact but super rugged, you're looking at the Frontier. And the new Frontier is absolutely amazing. It doesn't just look good, but it handles, and like I said, it's rugged. Nissan trucks give you a lot of value for your money. Head over to NissanUSA.com where you can build and price and pick out the right Frontier or Titan for you. And when you're just about fed up with the sluggishness of your car or truck, remember, there is a solution. It's called a Banks Pedal Monster. It's a patented throttle controller that will bring back life into your car or truck. Go to BanksPower.com, type in your your make and model, and learn all about the new Pedal Monster. From laggy pedals to uh, saggy bottoms... Yeah, uh, we are joining the Hellwig crew in the fight against saggy bottoms. If the rear of your vehicle sags when hauling a trailer or camper, Hellwig helper springs are the right product for you. They can help level out your load. Or if your truck or tow vehicle drives like a teeter-totter with all that body roll, Hellwig also makes wave bars that can help alleviate unwanted roll and make your next road trip way more smoother, comfortable, and inspire confidence in the handling. Hellwig products are made right here in the USA, and they have been since 1946. You can find out all the applications and products they offer at hellwigproducts.com. Miles, we're, we're recording, dude. Hey, what's up? Hey, guys. It's Miles, your producer here. Yeah? Sorry I missed the show. I was at the used car dealership trading in my Mini Cooper for a Honda CRV. Seriously, both of you? The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Homan and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Got the groceries in my CRV. I got no game in my CRV. I'm so average in my CRV. I'm